All right, welcome everybody. This is episode number 79 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, February the 6th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee. And before we do get to tonight's guest, Mike Fruitman, I do want to thank last Saturday's guest, Brett McGrath, host of the Stacking Slabs podcast. We had a great chat. Go check that one out. Next Saturday, my guest is the man who sold the two Gretzky PSA 10s in December. His name is Patrick Bet David from Valuetainment. That will be fun. This guy is a, he's, he's a personality. We're going to have a lot of fun next Saturday. If you're new to the show, we have over 100 episodes in the archives. Please check them out. I am sure you'll find a guest that entertains you and brings you some value in the hobby. So check out the archives and see what you like in there. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. We just passed the 2100 subscriber mark on our way to 2200. And I want to thank each and every one of you guys that have subscribed. Also want to remind you all to check out the big three sports cards on Instagram at the big three hockey. These guys showcase some of the finest singles in the hobby. Also want to make sure you're aware of the basketball card fanatic magazine. Check it out on the ticker right there. Adam puts out an amazing magazine. I read this morning's, uh, I read the last issue this morning and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Check that out if you have a chance. Also want to remind you at the end of the episode with Mike, we'll be doing the sports cards live five. PC cards of the day. Stick around for that. As always, your comments and your questions are in play. Do not be shy. I see we're building an audience already. So have some questions ready for Mike. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And after this show, on the late show, after hours, my guests are Amit and Kent from the new YouTube hobby show and Sports Cards Live spinoff, Cardboard Culture. Check that out later on tonight. I'll have those guys on. We're going to talk about their venture into the hobby content space. All right. We are going to get to tonight's guest who got his first taste of the hobby in 1978 when he opened up a pack of baseball cards and found a Pete Rose inside that pack. That was all it took. He was hooked. While attending the University of Colorado, he stumbled into a card shop and reconnected with his childhood hobby. In December 1992, after working part-time at the local LCS, he bought the store from the owner and 28 years later, he's still in the business. His favorite teams are the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, and the Denver Broncos, his favorite players, Jerome McGinley, Alex English, Todd Helton, and hot dog eating champion, Joey Chestnut, originally from Miami, Florida, now hailing from Aurora, Colorado. Let's bring him out. Mike Fruitman, welcome to episode 79, Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing well. That That is the best introduction I've ever had. I, I feel like I should like run the court and, and just slam, you know, slam one down. I, you know, and I can just, I'm glad you like it, buddy. I'm glad you like it. I take pride in it. I want to, you know, I want to introduce you like you're walking into a boxing ring sort of thing. But I know for sure that I've got some people in the audience right now who are kind of laughing because they've been, you know, they've been giving both of us a hard time about this show. Guys who recommended you to me, they said, you got to get this guy on. He's going to be awesome. And then, you know, these are the kind of guys that like to poke fun too. So I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're here with us tonight. Listen, before we say hello to some of the people that are in the audience tonight, and we're going to get to that, I there's one story you told me that I want to kick it off with tonight. The time you were on Hockey Night in Canada, and for anyone in the U.S. who isn't aware, Hockey Night in Canada, it's every Saturday, it pretty much goes the whole day if there's afternoon games, and it's a big deal. It's been tradition around here for, gosh, probably 50, 60 years now. So, Mike, tell us about the time you were on Hockey Night in Canada. So, I was really in the background. I, I, I was peripheral. At best. Um, so a number of years ago, the Avalanche um, retired um, Ray Bork's number. I'm sorry, um, honored Ray Bork. And I think it may have been his retirement jersey night. 
And I was assigned to hang out with Ray Bork all evening. I mean, just the honor of doing that is just incredible. So wherever Ray went, I was going. And it was just an incredible evening. And uh, at one point, they brought him up to the booth up top. And I was not, I wasn't hogging the camera. I was in the background, but uh, apparently not well enough in the background because my phone is blowing up. And all my Canadian friends are going, wait a second, are you, are you at Pepsi Center? And is Ray Bork right there? And what the heck are you doing there? Because, I mean, I, I've, I've done security for the Nuggets and the Avalanche uh, since 1988. Well, the, the Nuggets since 88, at least. And uh, so everybody thinks, you know, I'm probably like taking tickets or in the third level, you know, making sure nobody's like breaking into the pop, the popcorn bin or something. But no, I was, I was stuck on Ray all night and my phone's like, wait a second, are you, are you behind Ray Bork? I'm watching you right now. And, and, you know, they wouldn't let me wear a shop t-shirt, unfortunately, but that would have been great. Well, that's pretty cool. You you live in uh, a suburb of Denver, so you're an Avalanche fan. You know, I remember when, and for anyone who doesn't know, Ray Bork played his whole career basically with the Boston Bruins, probably a 20-year career. And then in his last year, maybe last year, year and a half, he signed with, uh, with the Colorado Avalanche thinking he'd have a good chance to win a cup. He made the right choice. He went to the right team. They went on to win the cup. And I believe after... Captain Joe Sackick raised the cup or took the Stanley Cup and did a little lap. He handed it right to Raymond Bork. And, you know, even myself, who has never been a fan of the Boston Bruins, never been not a fan of the Avalanche, but always respected Raymond Bork as one of the stalwart defensemen in the history of the NHL, one of the best of all time, when he and an offensive defenseman as well. When he when he had when Joe Sackick passed him the Stanley Cup and he raised it above his head, like Guys like me, and I know I'm not alone, we got emotional. We were so happy for him. What, tell us, what was it like for fans of the Avalanche when Raymond Bork? Was it special for you guys, too, that Ray Bork got to raise the cup as a member of, of your team? It, it was, you know, obviously there's winning a championship and everything that goes with that. But Ray was really, for a guy who had been on the team for, like you said, a year and a half, he was the leader. I mean, Sakic is, you know, he's, he's kind of a quieter individual, and, and, and having Ray there, it's one of those things where it was it was a complete you know win it for Ray thing. So the fact that Joe honored him by passing the cup uh, right to him w- was just incredible. It was, it was one of those like you know, Denver sports iconic moments. You've got like Elway with the helicopter in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's it's really right up there in Denver sports history as one of those incredible moments. Well, that's all. I'm glad to hear it because it certainly was special just from a hockey standpoint. So great to hear that the fans there really appreciated that too. And of course, you're more in the know as someone who got to be there and work around the team. So that's awesome, man. Okay, listen, we're, we're, I want to hear about sort of how you came to get in to, to buy your shop. There's people that have reached out to me, Mike, uh, the kind of they want to know the ins and outs. There's there's more people now than ever, I think, that are toying with the idea of opening up a shop themselves. Some of them have reached out to me and said, I'm really excited about this episode. I want to hear some of the ins and outs with the goods and the bads of, of owning a shop. So we'll start with sort of how you came to buy the shop. Before you do, let's just say hello to some of the people we have in the crowd for tonight. We got Master Domus here. Good evening to you. Legion's here with us as always. Foul Five Ball. We got Terry. We got Mike Truman. Tiger Jordan says, Sports Cars Live is the super show prior to the Super Bowl. Love it. Thank you, Tiger Jordan. Brody, the kids in the house. Good evening, Brody. Rondell, happy to have you. Let's, I'm down. Let's take a trip out to, to the stadium with Mike. I'd love to go to that shop for sure. And Mike showed me a couple days ago. He kind of showed, he gave me a bit of a, a look around and he's got a ton of stuff in that store. I'd love to be able to browse it for sure. We got Yamwax in the house. Good evening to you. Hello, Jamie Sands. Chad Shippers in the house. We got Ed Caudill. Good evening. Josh Packham. Good evening. We got Irving. Irving is one of the guys who said, you got to get Mike on the, sh- on the show. So thank you for that, Irving. Appreciate it. Great to see you. 
Jason Pringle, my man, Corey Carr, Yannick in the house. Good evening. We got Com C Barry from Com C. Hello, Jeremy in the larger than life, Mike Fruitman. There you go, Mike. There you go. Well, we got Lowell. Good evening to you, Nick. Welcome to the show, 90s Hockey. Corey Carr says, just about to send my first order to PSA Canada. Awesome, man. Good luck with that submission. We have Victor, all-time greats blog. Good evening, Victor. Eastridge in the house. That's Mike Davis, who uh, I know you know, Mike. So there you go. Says, hello, hello. Yeah, the beard is in the house. Joe Perot, welcome. My man from Santa Cruz. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I wore the Motorhead shirt tonight. For Mike. Mike's a bit of a rocker, right? So I thought, you know what? I'll wear, I'll wear a Motorhead shirt. I like to have the shirt match the guest to the extent that I can. Tiger Jordan, love that Mike is an Alex English fan. Most don't know Alex scored the most points in the NBA during the 80s. Is that, is, yeah. Yes. I'm not, I'm not doubting you, Tiger, but that's, that's a piece of trivia I had no clue about. Very, I would have thought it would have been Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, someone like that. No, Kareem. All right, Alex English. Very good. Cardboard Max, welcome to you. Dwa Dean says, Jerry Rice rookies, tops 86 are a good buy. One of the best of all time. He has rings. Yeah, I agree. That's a great card. Great card. Kent Wong says, hello, Jeremy and Mike. I visited your shop back in 2017, but you were doing one of your concert gigs that night. Great shop. And by the way, Kent will be one of my guests on After Hours in about two and a half hours from now. He is co-hosting Cardboard Culture with Amita Cheria. Those guys are going to be joining me later. Hawaiian Boss, good evening to you. Carter says SCL is everywhere and gets eyes from Gary V. Didn't know we were getting eyes from Gary V, but we will take those eyes. Gimmicky Fibers, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Irving says, I went to a shop and he wasn't there. Well, we'll try again, Irv. We'll try again. Amish Dave Archer in the house. Bobby Baseball. Hockey guy. Facebook Anonymous Facebook user who we probably know him, Mike, but we can't tell who he is from this. But good evening to you, Eric Perry. Bobby Burrell in the house. Hello, Bobby. Brian McDonald, good evening. And Charles Hind, my man, says hello, good evening. All right, welcome everybody. Mike, let's talk about it. So you bought the store December 11th, 1992. How did you come to go from working the shop to buying the shop? Tell us the story. Um, I started hanging out at the shop. I became kind of like the non-beer version of Norm from Cheers. And I was just basically there all the time. I would do like a job interview a day and just hang out there. My parents lived around the corner. Yes, after college, lived in the basement for a little bit and uh, just was there basically all the time. So it turned into one of the things where the guy needed a couple hours coverage. I was there for him. He wanted me to cover a weekend there for him. And he finally realized, look, he can go back to the job he had before he owned the store and pay me more. I'm sorry, pay me less than he was going to be making. And uh, it was a very easy transition. I was basically there all the time. So I knew everybody. And then uh, a number of months later, he approached me and said, look, I've got to close it, sell it to you or sell it to somebody else. And two of those three ways was not going to work well for me. So uh, he, he had a number of checks that he owed me for and, and basically kicked them back to him. So I bought the store completely devoid of cards. It had all the fixtures, all the cash registers, shelving, slat wall, everything. And all I had to do was put my cards into it. And I had a really unattractive, well, I mean, I don't know. It was 1992. I, I guess I had as good a collection as you could have uh, as somebody who collected in 78 and went hard at it until probably like 85, 86. There was high school, girls, cars, other things. And, uh, you know, so so I'm used to it when somebody says, hey, I, I'm going to quit collecting because the girls, well, no, actually girls are into collecting right now. But um, <laughs> back then it wasn't so much. And anyway, so I had my collection and I remember I was going to fill up every single spot in every single showcase because by gosh, I paid for everything. And I had one spot left in my football case and I found a 25 cent Lawrence Taylor 
and I put it in there because I wasn't going to open up until every single bit of the store was being used to its full potential. We, we sold the Lawrence Taylor before you ask. And uh, that was it was it was an interesting time. I bought it in December of 92. And, and it was really it was a great time in the hobby. The Rockies were around the corner. Shaquille O'Neal was out. He was playing, um, but there were no cards of him other side than classic. So I was thinking, OK, if I can't do well with Shaquille O'Neal coming in, tearing down baskets, blowing up the league, and the Rockies starting, baseball finally coming to Colorado, if I can't do well at this point, you know, I, I'm never going to do it. And, uh, well, there was the baseball strike in 94, the lockout. So, so other than that, my timing was really good. But the nice thing is, um, stuck with it, and, um, you know, geez, I, I, I can't believe it's been 28 years. I don't know if it seems like longer or shorter. After a long day in this in the shop like today, it seems like much longer ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I remember, like, the, you know, big moments, like, you know, when I got direct with Tops. Like, you know, for a lot of people, it would be like, oh, when I sold my millionth dollars worth of cards. And for me, like, when I got direct with Tops, that was, like, the craziest thing. I remember applying and applying and applying, and uh, m- much like it would be now if you – if you wanted to open a card shop and uh, geez, when I got that letter from them, that, that was, that was like a big to do for me. Yeah. I, I would have given you a big congratulations. Um, so you had mentioned to me the other day uh, and I, I think of the name Bob Gibbon, something about, is this the gentleman that you bought the shop from? Uh, so Bob had a store in Table Mesa just outside of Boulder. Uh, I went to the grocery store one day and I saw, this is what really got me back in. Uh, after the well, not well, not after the girls in high school, but well, after the high school at least. So anyway, um, I, I found this card store and I started hanging out there. And this guy was throwing a party in his shop, like basically every single day. Um, very low key, a lot of fun, very engaging with everybody. When everybody walked into a store, if you didn't know everybody's name, which was rare, uh, they at least got a very sincere hello and a welcome. And, and you know, everybody was part of the club, without you know, without being necessarily a card carrying member. If you were in the store. You, you were great. So um, it, it was a very welcoming environment. And I just started hanging out there. And uh, Fridays was just incredible. There was a there was a family, the, the Hawaiians, and they would come in and whatever Bob had procured over the course of the week that hadn't been sold to somebody else, the more it cost, the more he wanted it. Now, this is back in like 88. So having having expensive stuff, it, there wasn't exquisite to be had. There wasn't ultimate collection or premiere. So, it, you know, it, I remember one time he had some packs of 7980 tops. They were $30 a piece, and nobody was going to touch them except for these guys. They were literally bought, saved, set aside for the, for the Hawaiians. And when they came there, it, it was kind of like like before. It was like the you know approaching the boxing ring. It was, you know, this everybody was like cheering, and, and like, you know, you couldn't get close enough. You couldn't, you know, look over enough shoulders to kind of see what was going on. I remember there were people up and down, like they were on the backside of the counters watching 7090 tops getting broken open. I'm like, this is incredible. This isn't. This isn't a store. This is a shop. This is a hangout. This is a clubhouse. And, you know, I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be my goal or where I was going to be doing for the next few decades. But I remember being very welcome there and thinking, man, it would be so awesome if I could have one of these myself, not not thinking it would ever really happen. And, you know, thinking that, did that help sort of provide you your vision as to how you wanted the the vibe and the atmosphere in your shop to be? Is, is that how you... Do you emulate that to this day? And if so, how? You know, it's, well, if up until last March, it was pretty easy. Nobody was wearing face masks. It, it was easy to recognize everybody on the way in. So, uh, you know, I'm not the best with names. Um, I'm good with them. And and one guy noted the other day that that you know, I, I, before running his credit card, I actually said his name. 
you know, you don't you don't want to get somebody's name wrong. Somebody's in your shop, they're hanging out. The last thing you want to do is offend them and call them Richie when it's Bob. And they're like, wait a second, you don't even know who I am. I've been coming here for years. So out of the blue the other day, I, I had said his name. He's like, whoa, wait, that's the first time you, you like said my name without like, you know, ringing me out or whatever. And I'm like, you know, and, and to him, it was like, it, it was a big thing because now he's, he's in the club, I guess, you know, now that I know his name. So um, I try to do that. It's, it's everybody's, you know, okay, fine. It's a card shop, but everybody's welcome here. And, and there's no tiering. There's no like, okay, this is this guy and he buys cups. So he gets better service. We, everybody gets the same service here. It's, you know, you're, everybody's important to me. Um, and that, that extends not just to my adult collectors, but we have a, we have a kids club with over 400 members who are part of it. Every month they come in, they get a free item. And if I don't know a kid's name, I call him sir. So I, I remember shopping as a, as a young person and going into a, a place. And if, you know, if they gave me time of day, that was enough. But, you know, I remember being called sir a few times as a kid and thinking, wow, I'm, I'm eight years old. This guy's calling me sir. So wait a second, this is kind of a cool thing. So I like to, you know, now that I'm 50 or whatever, um, you know, I like to draw back on, on the things that I've learned and, and, and share them. And, you know, I, I, I remember one of the first things when I was open, you know, seeing kids when they, when they run up to the store, like, you know, there's three kids running out of the car and, and they're racing to see who can grab the handle first. And, and that's, this is, I, I never call this place a store. It's a card shop. And it's very important to me that I don't have customers. I have collectors. I hate the word customer. Uh, you know, when other shop owners use it, I, I kind of let it slide, but you will never hear, I don't have customers. Customers are people who go into Best Buy or or Target, and they're in there for a purpose. They're there to cust. I, I, I just, what, does, <laughs> what does a customer do? So they're there to buy things and essentially leave. And the only time they need help is if they can't find out what aisle something's in or if they, you know, when it's time to leave and to check out. And I, I would never want to own a place that, that was that cold impersonal and simply you know when you walk in the door you're 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 an upper deck box guy so you're you're a 92 dollar bill or whatever and you know you're a tops guy so you're a 78 whatever and i it's important to me to you know give everybody the time the, you know, the space the shop here be helped when necessary um but at the same time to let you know let you be who you are and, and enjoy the place um slightly a little bit less time now than than before because like it was one point today we had to you know we had to kind of have some folks outside. I hate doing that. I can't. I can't imagine going to a place and being like, "Yeah, well, you know, you can wait. You can come in when once we have fewer people." I mean, it's kind of a pride thing where it's nice every once in a while, in theory. But the idea of having somebody like wait all week to come here, you know, they worked all week. This is their Saturday. This is their weekend. And you go, "Hey, you got to wait outside till three people leave." Unfortunately, it's, it's a necessity these days. Um, and, and fortunately, it doesn't happen a ton. That's good. That's good. That's good to hear. So a couple of things I want, I want to, a couple of points I want to make uh, after everything you just said, because there's a few nuggets in there I want to just speak to. The first one is so kids, you know, uh, I think it's really cool that you were called, sir. I think it's really cool that you call young kids, young, young boys, the, sir, as well. It makes them feel good about themselves. And I've said it before. I think it's important that, you know, if you're a shop owner or you're set up at a card show, and a kid comes by, no, no matter what they may have, if they've got a shoebox, a binder, or a, or a graded card box, whatever it may be, and they say to you, "Hey, are are you buying or are you trading?" You know, I think your answer always is yes. You know, no matter what, if they say, "Do you want to see what I have?" Yes, even if you don't, the answer is yes. I, I've said it before. I'll probably say it again. I think it's a good way to really help these kids feel like they're part of the hobby and not not just a 
real beginners or not worthy because they may not have cards of value. So I think you're of the same mind there. And, and I really uh, respect and admire that. So good on you, if I may say so. Uh, so you bought the store 28 years ago. You're still going. You bought it in 92. I had a card shop from 91 till about 94. And I wonder if I never closed that thing up. I wonder if I'd have a beard like that too right now. I know I might not have the hair on top, but I think I'd, I might have a beard like that as well. So, but hey, we'll never know. And the last thing, you know, you mentioned that you don't like the word customer. You prefer the word collector. And you made the, the, the analogy to the big box store. And I think if I, you know, what I was thinking you're getting at there and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're getting at is that when someone comes into your shop, there's a relationship there. There's a customer, I use the word loosely with you, it's a, it's a customer experience that you are providing, not just come buy, leave. You're not, they're not just a dollar bill. They're almost like a, they're a friend. A lot of them become friends, I'm sure. I, I'm, I know I've become friends of shop owners that I've frequented over the years. So, you know, that, that's what I like. And that's what I think uh, we'll get into a little bit later about the importance of card shops still to this day. And I think that's a big part of it, right? Is that you, you said earlier, you were the norm going into your card shop before you ended up buying your card shop. And now you've got a whole bunch of norms coming in. Is that pretty much accurate? Well, we have a lot of norms. We have a lot of abnorms as well. I saw that Hawaiian Haas was watching. He's definitely an abnorm. Um, it's, it's, there's a commercial a bunch of years ago, at least down here, it was a Dunkin' Donuts guy. And every day he would wake up and you'd see him leave his bed and he goes, I gotta make the donuts, I gotta make the donuts. And the whole way he's trudging to work in the shower, he goes, I gotta make the donuts, I gotta make the donuts. And he unlocks the I gotta make the donuts. I get to do this. I, I talked to so many other shop owners and we all get to do this. Um, my dress code is casual. I you know, have like three pairs of the same shorts and I will wear them basically every single day. Um, I, I get to do this. I, today I realized like we didn't have anything on the TV. So I'm like, whatever you guys want to watch. I was listening. We actually had Rush on. I thought you'd appreciate that. So we, we had Rush on the radio and, and I try to make it like, like, like I see everybody's man cave. I want it to be like a man cave. Um, unfortunately that has a cash register. So it's, it's, you know, it's got all the comforts of home. We've got a fridge. We, we used to charge, you know, for sodas. And now I can't remember a lot. If I've charged you for a soda in the last three years, I just, you're not really a list. Like, you're not my favorite. You've done something horrible to me, and I've charged you now for a soda. Uh, we, we may or may not have a back fridge. I, I, I don't know officially uh, with other things in it. And it's just, it's just that type of environment. You know, before, you know, years ago, you know, it was the place to be on Saturday. We, we'd have the game on, and guys would hang out. Um, you know, and we're open every day of the week. It, it, what I like to tell people if it's not Christmas, we're open. And I'm, I'm taking all these hours and I love it. I, the opposite of the donut guy where I get to do this. Um, yeah. You know, card shop owners in general, we're not happy unless we're complaining. Either prices are dropping on products so many years ago or, or now we use the A word, the, the allocation word, of course. Um, so, so if we're not complaining, we're actually dead. But in general, like all the people I talk to, they're the happiest guys on earth. You know, yeah, there's some commiseration and maybe this collector, that collector. But in general, like if you own a shop, for the last 20 years, it's you know, we can point to like specific moments like 2013 football, Steven Strasburg, blown shoulder, this stoppage. But other than that, I mean, I get to do this. And I remember going back, I went to my high school reunion, the 20 off. And, uh, you know, I had moved from Miami. I'd gone to Colorado. It was before Facebook. And, and, and I looked kind of like this. So I was embodying the perfect, you know, I did other than John Elway. They didn't know what anybody lived in Colorado looked like. 
So this is the perfect mountain man look. And I remember going back and he was like, oh, hi, yeah. So, so Mike, what are you doing these days? And I went to a very small college prep school and uh, there were lots of people with, uh, you know, abbreviations and, you know, prefaces before their names. And, uh, oh, so I, I, I own a card shop and I throw people out of concerts. And at first people thought I was joking about each, or like some sort of cover story for some, some life I was leading. And, and I remember somebody pulled me aside because all they thought were cards were a quarter a pack and maybe you'd get a $2 card. And I timed it perfectly. I brought a Dan Marino autographed jersey card from Upper Deck down to the reunion. So I said, well, you know, here's kind of what they make these days. And I'm showing them this card. And what do you, guy not, who's in the next conversation is like, what is he? I love Dan Marino. I said, well, this is an Upper Deck. It's a Dan Marino autographed jersey card. Well, how much is it? 300 bucks. Boom, boom, boom. Three. Now, I don't know if anybody else made money that weekend at the high school reunion, but I know I did. Uh, I sold a $50 Don Manningly bat card, and, and there was something else that I brought. But, you know, when you meet a CPA, and, and God bless you, CPAs. We love CPAs. But I don't really ever remember getting into a CPA story unless it was like maybe I was being audited or I needed a new CPA. But I've never been engaged with, with trying to figure out all the intricacies of being an accountant. But here I was at my high school reunion and people are like, wait a second. Hey, let's let's talk some more about that. I'm trying to think like right now, like right now, if I went to my high school reunion, how crazy would that be? It's like, wait a second. I don't want to talk to this guy. I don't want to talk. Wait, where's Fruitman? Card shops are going crazy right now. Jordan's to sell for $1.8 million. LeBron's to sell for $1.8 million. Giannis, da 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 da, da. Gretzky's. I want to talk to this guy. So um, a few of my high school friends have reached out. We've had some minimal talks about which way to go and which products to maybe go for. But it's it's kind of interesting right now owning a card shop anyway. But but you know, I've got some folks from my high school days who are like, wait a second, should I should I buy Prism? You know, what's what's gonna happen with 2021 basketball? Is Lafreniere for real? So it's kind of an interesting time owning a card shop. And, and my son, I can imagine only what it's like to be the son or daughter of a card shop owner and the embarrassment that goes with it. You know, for, for all these years. So your dad does what? He, my dad sells used cardboard with pictures of men on it. What? So so now at least my son's got a little bit of pride and joy where he goes to school. It's like, wait a second. Cards are cool. What is, it? what is your dad doing? Where's his store? So it, it's much nicer owning a card shop these days. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I actually uh, got into a couple of them yesterday, and uh, both both guys were pretty uh, pretty happy with what with the situation. Besides the fact that they can't stock their shelves like they used to, they just can't get the product. They're both pretty happy with that uh, with the way things are going. Otherwise, so um, okay, we're gonna say hello to a few more people. Then I want to once we do this, uh, and there's a few questions we'll get into. So, but I do want to talk about your first experience at the industry summit, and uh, and then another one as well. I thought that was really interesting. And it's important as well for any of those kind of, you know, wannabe shop owners out there to kind of hear what what I think is out there and available uh, from the industry for you guys. And it's interesting to the rest of us as well. So I want to say hi to Carbon Chung. Says, what's up, Mr. Lee, Mr. Rubin. Good evening, Carbon. Great to have you on board. Landon, good evening to you. This anonymous Facebook user says, both these guys are great. Know a lot about the cards of cards. One shaves regularly. The other will by donation for charity only. I think that's you, Mike. Very nice. Have you ever done that? You ever shaved the beard for charity? Uh, last year at the Upper Deck Industry Summit, there was a copious amount of fireball. I, I don't know how I woke up functional the next morning, but but leading up to it, uh, yes, Rich Layton threw down uh, $500. Um, Diane from Upper Deck was a uh, was a influential force in, in you know getting it for Sean. And it was supposed to be just a, just a little bit off uh, Steve Tigwall owns a shop out out west. He uh, he he found a lady bick at the uh, the hotel, and uh, 
Lady Bix are not designed to go after this thing. Fortunately, again, reverting back to Fireball, I didn't feel a thing. But yes, we raised a thousand dollars for charity, uh, the Food Bank of the Rockies. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no, that, that's that's cool, man. Very cool. Brian Kingsley, good evening to you. We got Daniel in the house. Hello, my friend. Columbia Hobby, man, you need a shave, Mike. Brian says, I miss where his Mike's shop is in Aurora, Colorado, Brian. Aurora, Colorado. Legendary. Hockey Guy says, I'd love to visit Captain Caveman's card shop. That's a good name for a shop, too, maybe, maybe. Brody says, I've been in Mike's singles night a bunch of times. I always feel respected like an adult. That's great to hear, Brody. As you should, as you should. Couple more comments here. Alex, here's a question for you. Any creative ideas on how to keep the younger generation involved in the hobby and avoid the price out issue? It's a good question. It's on the top of a lot of people's minds considering where the hobby's at right now. Mike, what are you uh, What are you doing to kind of balance that? Well, there's a number of things as a shop owner that I want to do. And when people, when collectors come in here, I want to make sure that I've got a wide appeal. Obviously on the 17th, we're going to have the cup, but it's very important to me to not just have current year product, but to have older year product which is becoming more difficult to do. We sold our last 2015 Topps Firebox today. I'll probably never own another one in my life. But we want to make sure that when new products come out, we've got them available by the pack. We are doing a better job working with our distributors and um, a, a lot of flippers, for lack of a better term, when we are carrying a lot of retail product, uh, some of which we're starting to offer by the pack as well, just to give collectors a more affordable option. Um, I had, go, going spot on with what you're talking about, Hoops Basketball came out this week and I went to restock it for one of my distributors and I priced my product in line with what I was repaying it, rebuying it for uh, still below what the big online guys are doing it for. And and really, I mean, I, I didn't realize how much it was costing until I broke it down by the pack because somebody wanted a few packs of it and, and hoops basketball, which I still associate with being a dollar pack back in the day. Um, you know, last year when hoops came out, um, it was $99 a box. And this year I've got it on my shelf at $399. And I didn't realize what that really meant until I, I put it out by the pack. Packs are $18 a piece. So I'm selling three packs to, to an adult today, four packs to another guy. And at the same time, it's, it's I don't like it. I'm not happy doing it. Um, it's not fun say, selling people their, what, their fun um, at, at these prices. I'm just not, I'm not happy with it. I, I have two choices. I can... Um, I can sell it for $200 a box when I know full well I'm going to be paying $375 to restock it. I don't know a lot of businesses that would take on that type of mindset. Um, not not calling on my distributors. These guys, you know, they're, they're paying more for it in many instances when they're restocking it. Um, and that's simply what the market will dictate. I'm not calling out Panini because I was able to get some at cost from them. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun time to own a card shop, but at the same time, I, I have a conscience. I've got, I've got two children, and when they want things, um, I, I hate the idea of being priced out of it or having to say no. Um, and, and here it is. It's a base product. It's hoops. And I, I didn't, I'm not happy selling it at the prices I'm selling it at. Um, this, I'm sure this is going to, I know it's kind of weird to say these things. Um, but, but going with that as well, we do our own repackaging products. We'll take five autographs or Jersey cards. Um, we break them down by sports. So that's a $25 box that we offer our collectors. Uh, we've got $3 shelves that are filled up. Every time we get a hundred count box in here, we're filling it up with, with cards and putting it up on the shelf um, to give collectors a, a more affordable option. And we're making sure that we still carry products like Topps Opening Day. Uh, we're carrying old Upper Deck Choice products that we can still come out. And, and well, can't see it, but we have dollar sections, $2 pack sections, $3 pack sections. 
So yes, it's it's a tough time necessarily collect every product, um, but we you know we started Upper Deck Series One. I want to say at seventy nine or eighty nine dollars a box. Um, so we're not. I'm, I'm trying not to gouge. I hate to use that word, but uh, you know when when a product is so much to restock, um, I've got to factor that in as a business owner. I mean certainly the the guy selling selling me gas for two nineteen. I mean, I hope he's not paying two thirty nine for it. I don't expect him to. Um, I, I I want him to stay open. I like having a gas station or a parking lot. Um, but it's it was a really weird moment for me today, and 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 it hit me. I had a feeling I was going to be talking about it tonight. I don't I don't like selling packs of hoops for eighteen dollars a pack. Um, it's it's just, it's just not fun. Um, you know, and I'm watching kids come in and they're buying one pack instead of the three or four or five that they might have gotten in the past. It's there's a number of factors that I think we all. We, we can gloss over or get into that that explain why the things are where they are right now um but here it is like I, i'm just it doesn't bring me joy to charge that much for a pack yeah you know carvin who works at gts he makes the commentary says uh there's many lower price point products for kids that might not be able to buy the higher price point products but hoops is supposed to be one of those lower price point products so my question to you and even to carvin in, in the chat is are there in basketball specifically, are there still any lower price point products out there by a licensed manufacturer? Um, oops, I guess in theory may have been that release. Um, as a shop owner, I've got to factor in my cost. I've got to figure out my replacement cost and, and, and retail, excuse me, and, and gauge the market. Uh, I'm at $399, which is not the, um, the prices that the larger online retailers are at. We are below their pricing. And hopefully I'm going to be able to maintain that. Uh, and at some point I'm going to sell through my product. Um, I mean, if, if you bring up basketball, my, my basketball shelf is filled with a, the Kemi Matumbo shoe, some Michael Jordan pop figurines, a couple cases, and, and you can't see the extent of the shelf. Um, we've got our newest product down there, our 1920s and our 2021s. Um, basketball in particular is the sport, well, basketball and soccer um, are the, the two sports where we've seen the biggest price increases, or at least it, it seems like we have uh, football right behind it. Um, fortunately, bat, baseball and uh, hockey have remained for the most part affordable. But basketball, which used to be my fourth best-selling sport, I mean, I'm, I'm in Denver, and until the last five years or so, we had a bit of a lull after Carmelo left, where we weren't a playoff team, we weren't getting good local, even, even though we were bad, we weren't getting really good picks. So, we weren't getting driving force rookies. Um, and, and then really in the last three, four years after the, after we survived 16, 17 for, for basketball wise, um, it is, it has emerged as the preeminent sport. Um, you know, one, one thing I do have, we do have packs of a uh, Panini late in the year, sent us some um, gravity feeders for 1920 absolute. So we make sure that we have those, they're $4 a pack. Um, I get slammed for that every once in a while, but those are items that we only sell to kids with a two pack maximum. So getting back to what you brought up initially, we make sure that we've got those and we we save those literally for kids. Um, so at least we have something for them. Yeah, Carvin goes on to say, uh, he's, you know, after some hockey products, he mentions NBA stickers, but that's the only NBA product that he's mentioning here, which makes me like, is that what it's coming to for a kid? Hey, I remember in the early 80s when I was a kid, I was very happy collecting the stickers and, and filling up my, my hockey sticker book with the, with the stickers. But it didn't take long for me to move over to cards and never look back to stickers. I'm wondering if the stickers are really enough for the kids, but it may not matter what Panini puts out in terms of cards. If the market remains as hot as it is, 18 bucks might be the, the entry point for a pack of cards. It just might be. But let's, uh, let's keep on going. 
let's keep on going. I want to tear. I like Terry's commentary. He says hustling at the reunion. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty funny. Uh, this must be your buddy Columbia Hobby says my kids always thought I was a rock star. What are you talking about, Mike? So is this a guy that uh, one of your buddies that owns a shop somewhere? Uh, yes, I, w- I will claim him as a friend. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Com C Barry says I met Fruitman and Gene Cummings at the Upper Deck Conference in 2019 and again in 2020. Great guys. No, I I can speak about Gene Cummings. Like I like to call him Gino. He is one heck of a guy for sure, no doubt. We got Rich Klein in the house. Rich, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, Mike from Easter says Columbia Hobby. Steve, you are a rock star. There we go. There we go. Uh, and Alex says, you know, the more low price products, the merrier. But I, I think that there is a challenge on, on really having low price products right now. It seems to be that there aren't many out there. Steve Elmore, good evening to you. A lot of people talking about when they met each other. I love to see that. Thanks, everybody, for taking part in the chat. Brian Kingsley wants to know, Mike, have you had to take a cut in product from Panini Tops and Upper Deck? Have you had to source products elsewhere in addition to that? Well, one thing we do we've made a bigger point of doing is we've got so many folks who are bringing us um, wax that they're picking up at target and Walmart. I full disclosure. I have not, I don't go to target and Walmart very much. My wife is incredible and she, she takes care of all the house duties. Uh, and even on those rare occasions, I will look at the card aisle, but I don't swoop in and grab. So um, I am paying the flippers for product. Um, it, it's another source of um, affordable products. In fact, we actually, again, can't see it. Well, here you go. So our, our whole case right here is um, retail product that has come in. And this is right next to our register. Sorry, I'm a little bit askew there. But we made sure to put it in there. And so we're carrying all the blasters, all the mega boxes, a lot of the hanger boxes. Um, we are making sure that we carry those and we put them right up front. Um, it's an affordable option for our collectors. Um, they like coming in and being able to buy a box for $20. Uh, we also do carry a lot of blasters as well. So we've made... I mean, geez, like two weeks ago, we actually spent like, I added up, we spent 12000 on a Friday a couple weeks ago with guys who were bringing us product. And it's almost to the point now where I need to quit because I've, I've just got so much hoops, um, premium, so much contenders, uh, so many of these releases. I can't quit buying them. I'm having fun doing it. Um, and, and I know at some point that well is going to run dry. I know uh, Optic um, football started to hit the other day. And I know we're going to be seeing a lot of that, hopefully getting walked in this week. Um, but I'm making sure that we're, we're using that as a source of, of ensuring that our product, excuse me, that our shop is well stocked and, and also that we're able to hit different price points for our collectors. Okay, good stuff. Uh, Tiger Jordan has a question here. I like this one, Mike. Let's take a few minutes on it. He says, how has your business changed since the 90s? Were there periods that it looked like you couldn't survive because of eBay or other issues? You know, you card, shop, card shops, we're, we're an incredibly resilient bunch. We were supposed to be put out of business by card shows. We were supposed to be put out of business by eBay. We were supposed to be put out by breakers. Um, I, I don't know the next thing that was supposed to take us out, but card shop owners in general, I have found we've got the ability to adapt and change. First off, a, as a sole proprietor, I can do whatever I want. I can buy blasters at $28 and I can sell them for $28. Um, that, that's my choice. So we have the ability to do anything we basically desire. Um, in, in terms of changing, um, it's a lot of rolling with the punches. At one point, I was an eBay uh, consignment store. So I was doing that for my collectors with the hope that it would get spent in the shop. And I realized it was just taking so much of my time that I rolled off that. Um, in terms of changes I've made to the shop, I now use ComC uh, to, to our ComC friend, uh, Rich Klein, I see. So we're, we're very uh, we're, we're very involved with using ComC. And I think it's, it's also, in, in terms of the internet, I use it more for 
um, acquisition of knowledge. So I'm on DealerNet every single day, not making deals. I actually stopped using DealerNet as a buying and selling service. I now use it for pricing information. So I can kind of gauge which way products are going. Um, but I, I don't do deals on there. Um, I, I've learned that my but my money is better spent uh, with my distributors um, to to pursue future allocations. If you're not if you're not, if you want to shop and you're not doing restocks through your distributors, uh, if you could buy it for somewhere else, you, you're helping yourself on the short term, but on the long term, you're not necessarily doing that because you're going to get the expectation is that you're going to get shorted uh, when it comes time for new product allocations. Um, in terms of other other changes that we've made, geez. I, mean, I can't think of a lot of stuff that we do in the 90s that we that we still incorporate. We, we certainly use our Facebook and YouTube channel a lot more. Uh, we go live three nights a week. Um, I'm not I don't call myself a breaker, um, but and not nothing against breakers. But we go live on Monday nights with an organized case break on Thursday nights. We do you call it, which is basically I'm I'm sitting right here. What do you want? What can I break open for you? Uh, you know, pretty standard ship it, rip it. Um, and sit on it for pickups. And then we also do a thing called singles night. So um, if you're looking for love, it is not necessarily one where you want to go. We don't have a two drink minimum. Uh, we don't have a two drink maximum, mind you. But it, we, we have about 150 to 200 well-priced single cards. We're going to go live tomorrow night after the Super Bowl. Uh, this is not a call for you to get in and watch, but just to let you know, and, and maybe you should talk to your local card shop and perhaps have them involved in this as well. So we go live, we'll have 150 or 200 cards and so we'll show a John Elway card and we'll we'll describe it and you know you know we'll have it priced and if it's something you want just type in Elway before anybody else. Uh, if you misspell Elway if you put a T at the end or, or or something else then you don't get the card. And at the end of the night we just send out amounts and it's what I didn't realize then was the was the change it was going to have in the shop. So one of one of our collectors uh, Hawaiian Haas he is pretty active on our singles nights. And so he'll come in the store and I don't, I don't even call him by his real name. It's just Haas. So he's in the shop and I'll say, hey, Haas, it's this much. And I've got three other collectors who are like, wait a second, is that Hawaiian Haas? So, so now these guys get to know each other. They fought over this Elway card. They fought over this Jordan card. And then they're hanging out at the shop. And it, the familiarity that it bred is such an incredible byproduct. It was kind of an afterthought. I didn't even anticipate it. But the friendships that these guys have created I mean, I'm, I'm, these guys go out to dinner. They go out to drinks. I've got a couple friends who are coming over from the shop for the Super Bowl who who got to know each other. It's like I don't have to go. Well, can I invite this guy and this other guy? They know each other. Uh, the familiarity from doing that has been something that I didn't. It's been an incredible byproduct. That's that's pretty awesome. All right, a couple more comments we're gonna get to. Columbia says the creative car shop owners can still get the kids involved. It's what separates the good ones from the not as good. I think that's a an astute comment. I think that's a great comment. Charles, who's a, a younger teenager, says repacks are very good for kids, especially when they can get something like a jersey card or an auto. I think that's a, a good idea in the absence of, of the $2 packs, which we just don't seem to be able to uh, to, to have anymore in the hobby, at, le at least for now. So that, that's a great idea, Charles. I really like that. Uh, Tiger says, I agree with your sentiments. Do you think that manufacturers should significantly increase print volume to bring prices down? That's a... It's a great question. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Well, here's the difficulty. So every box of hoops represents two autographs. And I have no idea how many boxes of hoops were made. But, you know, back in the 80s, it was simply like the or or if orders came in stronger for tops. It was simply kill more trees. And that was all you needed. All you needed was more paper. If you ordered, if I my store ordered 20 cases, that represented 20 more cases that were going to get made. 
And it, it's changed. So now that box of hoops, if you still want it to have two autographs, they can't go above and beyond their print run. Now, far be it for me to speak for Panini or any other manufacturer, but you know, one of the things that was dreadful for us, one of the reasons I still have 1990 Pro set over to my to my right, is the fact that there was no limiting to it. So I, I like the collectability and the safety of buying boxes right now. I like the fact that Hoops offers three autographs. I mean, some people haven't even noticed that Prism went from three autographs last year to two autographs this year. Nobody, nobody's, I, I can't think of anybody who brought it to my attention from the collector level who was like, wait a second, there, wasn't there three last year and now there's only two? So I don't want hoops to necessarily become a one autograph per box product, which may be what it takes to expand to the amount that would make everybody happy. Um, and even if we saw lower print, lower, excuse me, even if we saw greater print runs, I don't know that it would necessarily result in much lower pricing. Um, shop owners have become more comfortable um, absorbing their product. You know, it used to be, you know, I better price it before, you know, when the online guys price it down. I've got to get rid of this before it, it drops in price. And the last few years, I've been telling my collectors to invest, invest in wax. So, and, and I'm certainly looking at doing that as well. We do a lot of rebuying from our collectors. Um, one of our guys bought a box or two boxes of Prism last year off me for $399, Prism Basketball, the day it released. Zion wasn't playing yet. We kind of knew what a jaw was. We didn't exactly know. And we just bought those two boxes back from that guy. And uh, he could have all the hockey sticks, goalie pads, you could have a nice small car for what I had to pay him for those two boxes back. So um, going back to the original question, if we saw the expansion in, in the allocations, I don't know that it would necessarily mean that we were seeing a 20% reduction in price. Uh, I think shop owners in general might look at that as an opportunity to absorb more and sit on it, perhaps sit on more product for longer. I, I, sorry, just real speak here. I, I, I guess I could say, you know, it would be perfect if there were simply more made. We would all act completely responsible i don't i don't know that that's necessarily the case yeah fair fair enough columbia says that'll never happen and then com c barry has an interesting comment he says his thought is that is for the manufacturers to make even more high-end products release it throughout the year so that investors will target the more expensive product and less so the lower end product i mean that's the kind of thing i think you almost want to test to see if, if that would work but it seems to me mike like no matter what they're putting out it's going to be it's going to get consumed very quickly and voraciously it just seems like there's a never-ending uh demand right now so but hey i guess it has to end at some point in time but we'll see we'll see in time i guess we will see in time uh rich klein reminds everybody to smash that like button i appreciate that rich appreciate that very much um and uh okay so uh, well, let's look at Carvin's comment very, very uh, for, for a moment here. He says, what if Panini creates hoops without any autos or memorabilia? Maybe that's a solution due to limited assets like memorabilia and autos. Create a skew, only base cards. Limiting factor is the co-packer co capacity. That's a good point, right? Even the, these guys that, the guys that actually print and pack the cards, they've got, they've got capacities that they have to, that, that, are, that constrain them for sure. Columbia says, it's not the autos or mem that's driving it, Carvin. It would take more than that. Rich says, you worked at Upper Deck and look at their flagship, driven by Young Guns. Ferret, yeah, Hockey, uh, Series 1, Series 2 is definitely driven by the Young Guns. Lots of lots of good comments in the chat here, everybody. Carvin says, it could be, uh, it could cause more to be printed without the assets. Need to find more uh, XI packers to help with capacity. Okay, all right. Uh, Mike says, Singles Night is great. I have bought a few on them uh, in the past, so... 
Mike's uh, tuned into your show there. I, I also know that Wayne out in Barrie, Ontario, does a singles night at the at uh, Doug Laurie Sports Card. So I was familiar with that uh, sort of theme, Mike. And and if you if you created it, kudos to you because I think uh, I think some people are, are taking that idea and running with it. And I know that's kind of what you like to do. You like to help out other shops and help uh, be creative. And what you guys can all do to to keep the the industry going. Why don't we segue into that right now? Actually, we'll come back to the industry summit stuff after, but. You know, you mentioned to me that uh, one of the things you do like to do are, are to help other stores and build that community of car shop owners. Let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Um, you know, you, you you come up with ideas, you collaborate with other shop owners. You mentioned to me that you, you shop owners, which I wouldn't have known about because I'm not a shop owner anymore, haven't been for almost 30 years. Uh, talk about what you guys do to stay in touch and collaborate together. So... This goes back to the industry summit, which I know we're not talking about, but it, it, was a, it was a three day opportunity for us to, to share ideas. And, you know, when a shop owner is up the street necessarily, you don't necessarily want to say, hey, here's exactly what's working for me. Please do the exact same thing. But getting to know shop owners from the industry summit, um, there's so many guys like Steve James, who unfortunately passed away. He used to write an article for, for Card Trade, uh, Rob Veers, Alan Nars. These are all guys who wrote for Card Trade, who before I went to the industry summit, that was how I learned how to run a shop. I would read their, their pieces and say, what is it? Okay, that's something I can apply to my store or I can do that, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently. So learning from all these guys has always been what allowed me to, to do what I do, my weekly drawings, monthly drawings, the things that I do. I mean, if somebody, I don't mind when somebody does a singles night, I take it as a compliment because I basically pirated off somebody else as well. So we would have these three days of incredible exchange where there was no holdback. There was no, uh, that guy's up the street. I'm not going to say anything. So it was three days of, of great presentations, manufacturers being there, and it still is. It's just a little bit different. But uh, the idea exchange is incredible. And I was thinking, man, we need more of this. And we're not going like, to unionize and suddenly become strong in mass. But here it is. Like We've got an opportunity to share. So I created a Facebook group, group invited some friends who own shops, and the thing's grown. We've got over 200 folks in there now. And it's incredible to be able to go over what's working for us, what isn't working for us. Uh, one of the problems we're running into right now is shop security. Uh, we've, we've added some bars. If you come in here, smile, you're on camera. In fact, you're on 16 cameras. Um, you know, the, the bolt on the back door, glass break, door trips, motion detectors, um, the, the unpleasant part of owning a card shop. But um, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of shops are getting hit these days. And uh, we're learning from each other what's working um, in terms of securing our locations. Um, and, and, you know, the idea exchange is is that. It's, it's marketing ideas. Um, there's a lot of sharing a product. Somebody in some areas may have a little bit too extra of, of so much, and we're able to work out trades and, and sales to, to allow shops to, to remain strong and um, to, to reduce um, inventory issues. Um, so we've got a shop page that's been open for about three years. I've only had to delete two comments, which I take pride in. And I, I don't think it, it's not my page. It's just, you know, I'm just throwing the party. You guys make it fun. If, I, if I'm sitting all alone here at my party, it's not so much fun. But we, we've got, you know, comments are on there every day. It, it's more upbeat, I, great idea sharing. And, yeah, there's obviously some sales that happened so far. Knock on something. Uh, all sales have gone through, no issues. Um, and, and it's just it's a great way to continue what what got started by Kit Young, was carried on by Krause, which is now carried on by by Beckett, uh, Tops, and Upper Deck, each, each having their own uh, summits as well. But the idea show that we get on there. You know, it's, it's great. You know, there was a there was a collector, excuse me, one shop, um, Jerry, 
Jerry uh, has a shop in a, in a smaller area. And he went on there one day, and, and I guess in theory we could all go on there and just brag about our days, but it, it doesn't usually happen. But he was sharing how he had a $6,000 day. And, and he posted that, and I was a little bit concerned because I'm thinking, okay, a, a lot of the guys in this group are, are bigger than that. And I was thinking, oh, man, he's going to get slammed. Wow, Jerry, way to go. You had a $6,000 day. I do that by noon. And, and to a to a person, to, to every every man and every woman who was responded to it, was very supportive of that. And, you know, everybody embraced it. And here it is, like, instead of my concern was, oh, man, Jerry's going to get slammed. Like, he's never had a $6,000 day. Oh, my God, that's so embarrassing. And, and now uh, we have embraced it to the point where we will go, hey, how was your day? Oh, I had a double Jerry. I had a, I had a single Jerry. I, I almost had a Jerry. So um, <laughs> it, it's a fun group, and it, it's an extension of what the, the family that, that we are. I, I, I said it, and, and I mean it. I'm, I'm among the happiest days of my life or when I get to see other card shop owners. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a real brotherhood that we have, and it's so nice that it's not a competition. If, if Jim, Jim, and, Jim and Steve's, excuse me, Steve at Jim and Steve's uh, has a great day, that doesn't negatively affect me. That makes me feel really good. If, if my buddy Mitch in L.A. has an incredible day, I, I can derive joy from that. It's not a competition. I'm not trying to get his collectors. Um, and, and I'm able to, you know, get everybody together on a regular basis instead of having to wait 360 odd days to hang out. I just think it's really cool that you guys have a Facebook group where you can congregate and, uh, and share ideas and have that, that, that shop owner community, because, you know, you're not, aside from going to the industry summit once a year and a, and a couple of card shows, it's a way to keep in constant contact, share ideas, share best practices. And, I think it's got to be good for the hobby for in one way or another. So I think it's really cool and something that I didn't know about until we chatted. And I bet, I bet a lot of people out here weren't aware that a lot of these shop owners have a Facebook group that they're talking, they're communicating on a daily basis. And uh, I think that's awesome. I, I wondered to what extent do you guys use it? Like uh, would someone, would Mike up in Calgary say, Hey Mike, I got a bit, of, I got some extra baseball. Do you have any hockey I need? I got, or do you have, do you have a box of this? I have a customer. Do you guys ever use it for that to move, product between between yourselves um i don't i don't do a lot of buying and selling on there i'm kind of a witness to it um there are limitations in terms of what we're able to sell um upper deck doesn't allow us to sell online for 180 days so i don't i don't police it but that hasn't really been a problem on there so there are certain limitations um and and i I would imagine that it's you know there's i don't follow every sale that's happening on the pages but and certainly I've seen where people have been able to get out of it. Um, one of the problems that shop owners have right now, if you're a new shop owner, is, is the acquisition of product. So you'll have guys who will say, hey, look, you know, I wasn't able to get a lot of this. There's a one shop who said they weren't able to get a lot of Top Series 1 coming up on next Wednesday's release date. So, hey, he asked if anybody you know had any extras. Fortunately, I'm direct with Tops. And my distributors have, have been great to me as well on it as well. So I'm going to be sharing some with him. And, and we'll probably just trade. I don't, I don't need to sell them any necessarily. Um, but I look at it as an opportunity to help other shops. You know, somebody needed some Bowman earlier this year. Everybody needed Bowman this year. But, you know, I was able to send some to another shop and, and you know, kind of get them along. I mean, I hope I didn't get used. I don't think I did. Um, and and I, I like to believe, you know, if somebody says it, it's certainly true. All right. Cool, man. Thank you for that. All right. Your, your buddy, Hawaiian Haas, wants to, I like this one. Mike Stadium Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Take a look at his weekly schedule. Come check it out. We have fun and enjoy the hobby together as collectors. That's just, that just shouts community. A little plug for you, Mike, which 
happy to, to get that up there. So way to go, Hawaiian Hoss. Thank you for that. Franco Dubs says, why are we seeing junk wax era cards and boxes currently selling for ridiculous amounts of money? It's really starting to turn me off because it doesn't make any sense. Do you have, do you have a take on that? Uh, on that? I mean, it, it's been going on for a few weeks, well, even a couple months now. What are your, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., PSA 10 upper deck rookie. You know, that card was $400 forever. Now I think it's like five grand all of it. And it, and it hovered around thousand to fifteen hundred dollars up until about a month ago or so now five grand what what's your take on what's going on with that the mike trout's the mike trout update card never mind the trout that's more current but all those a lot of those early 90s cards the hall of a lot of them are hall of fame rookies from all the sports the shaquille o'neal upper deck uh, card number one what are your what's your take mike all right so whenever i go back to miami i always go visit a couple different food locations and one of them is always carvel uh, Carvel's an ice cream store. They've got the best soft, soft uh, vanilla ice cream in the world. And, and to me, it's very important that I go there, uh, not just so I can remain chubby and hard to kidnap, but because it tastes very good. Um, and, and to me, if, if Carvel started charging $8 for a cone, I would still pay it gladly because it's a return to my childhood. Now, first off, junk wax is a term I never liked from the get-go, and I, I still don't like it. One of the We sold a box of 1991 um Fleer to a collector today, and arguably that yellow stock is the ugliest card set ever made. Ever, um, it, you can find it. I mean, when I'm looking at a collection and I flip open the lid, and there's all that yellow or the orange from the year before Donner's, I kind of know what I'm getting into, and and I don't have to go so through every card with the thumb. I can kind of weed through. So, to a lot of these people, that Griffey card is their Carvel. That's a return to their childhood. That '89 Upper Deck Griffey. They, there are kids who never got that card. It, it, it got to $40, $50, and, $60. And back in you know, 89, 90, when I opened up in 92, you know, one hit the case, it hit the floor, it hit the door. It was out, the, it was gone immediately. So there's some people who've never had that card before. And, and I remember a day when, when second year Griffies used to be five, eight, ten dollars $10 in line proportionately. So maybe one of the things, it's kind of like when gas goes up to $4, maybe it was a steal at $2. Maybe it was a steal at $3. Maybe for all these years, these cards have been underpriced. And I'm not saying that, you know, a common Kobe at $20, $30 um, is necessarily priced exactly right. I mean, we sold a LeBron, LeBron Topps rookie today and had a bit of a soft corner. And we, I think we, we sold it for about $350. Um, so that, that was to somebody who's always wanted that card. And, you know, I'm looking online. Uh, Beckett says it's between uh, upwards of $1,000. And, and certainly many people have bought my raw cards and gotten them graded and done very well with it. That's been something that we've, we've, I enjoy that. That doesn't bother me when somebody comes in and they go, Hey, look, you know, this card, I, I got a 10 on it. It's not worth this much. That doesn't bother me because I'm not, I'm not getting cards graded the way that they are. Um, for, for base cards to have taken off the way they have in the last year, it, it's been an interesting trend. I mean, I, I don't sell, I mean, I can, I see my sales every night on Com C, so I can kind of stay in tune with that. But I, I do watch our hello sports card collector friend and I'll, I'll watch that not because I need to learn from him, but I need to learn what's about to be popular. Um, whatever he says, the impact of what he says is, is clearly that the ripple effect of that is very wide. He's one of the many influencers out there who are saying, hey, look, I think this Tim Duncan tops Chrome is underrated. And the next thing you know, Tim Duncan's for, for three days, they rule the school. Um, at one point last year, we were seeing people saying, I think um, the Fleer metal base cards 
were are tremendously undervalued. And you saw a quick response to that. I remember finding finding boxes and I found a a Keith Van Horn, I remember a Keith Van Horn rookie, and being amazed that somebody wanted to give me ten dollars for it. Um, the, the Duncan's go from that. The, the base Garnett's from that. And you know what? Those are beautiful cards. The design, the art that goes with it, the creativity that goes with it, and the fact that you're not seeing that type of design across the board. Uh, I'm not not saying other designs are incredible, but metal in particular, when that came out and when those started, cards started running, I wasn't surprised by it. Maybe they should have been that high all along. You may, maybe we're simply seeing things get to where they should have been. I'm not offered um, 1990 Upper Deck Griffies all the time. And maybe that's because people don't bring them in a lot because they have a certain expectation that they're not going to get a lot of money for it. But if you turn my store over right now, I might have five or 10, but they're not in the easiest to find places. So maybe it is time for these cards to have a greater value. Not necessarily the value that they have is spot on, but maybe these cards do deserve to be more recognized. You know, select cards, select mirror golds. You know, there are commons that used to come through here from the early 95, or excuse me, the 96, 97 range. There are commons I remember selling them for $10. Well, the print run of those is astonishingly low. And I think people have finally come to the realization on those cards in particular that they have been undervalued. Um, and again, maybe it was just one podcast at three in the morning for, from some obscure place that five people started listening to and they started sniping them. But I've got friends, uh, you know, Joe Davis, who has a very large Beckett presence. And, you know, I, I could do very well calling Joe every day saying, Joe, what'd you sell yesterday? Because that's going to be what I'm selling tomorrow. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for, for base cards to have an increased value. There's a lot of people who have those in their collections, and I don't imagine that they are complaining at this time. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, following trends, and, and you were... You mentioned the the hello sports cards guy. I just just to be specific, you're referring to Jeff Wilson and the sports card investor YouTube channel and YouTube show. Uh, he's got tons of followers on YouTube and a big social media presence. So, but I want to just confirm what you're saying that when he goes out publicly on his show and makes a comment about a certain player, whether it be Tim Duncan or anybody, that you you are confirming that you are seeing. A, a directly correlated reaction to those comments coming through your store? I have seen it, yes. I've seen it. Uh, I remember uh, TMI, perhaps, but I shower with Jeff all the time, and, and I want to follow that up closely. When I take a shower, I will put my phone up against the far side, and I will watch it because I know I've got like 10 minutes or so where the family's going to leave me alone. I'm not at my shop. I'm not fielding phone calls. So, yes, full disclosure, yes, I shower with Jeff all the time. Jeff is never going to eat another meal um, again and, and, and may never do another show again. But yes, <laughs> I, I watched that just so I know what to expect to be popular. I remember seeing him last summer and he was having um, soccer folks on. And, you know, I was like, OK, wait a second. So if they're talking about this now, I, probably by noon today, I'm going to have three calls about soccer. So, yes, so the direct correlation from his show specifically and other podcasts. Yes, they they sway the market. They will say they influence the market. Um, I think he had, a, he, had a, he had a show about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, where he talked about select basketball. And, you know, I remember reading the comments afterwards where he talked about where he made a move and he started buying select basketball boxes and he was comparing it to Prism. And, you know, people would say the select uh, is the younger brother, the, the little nephew, whatever it is, of, uh, of Prism. And he made the he brought it to everybody's attention that there's no retail on select. The, the the retail configurations don't exist that that we see from Prism, and right away 
Uh, I've got a couple of cases of 1718 select basketball that I've had. And so I, I pay attention to that product. So I immediately saw where those things were running. And I immediately went back to the days before I had to shut down due to COVID where I was selling everything, trying to get as fat as I could for what I thought was going to be an eternal winter. And I remember selling 1920 select basketball at $500 a box, $800 a box, um, $900 a box. Sorry, not, not to mock, but I, and, and now those prices, people have become aware of that product. And, and maybe he did make a play in that. I, he said he did. And then he brought it to everybody else's attention. And, you know, it, when Gary V said, go buy Giannis, he had already made that move or it's, it's become aware that he had already made that move. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, it worked quite well for him. And of course, here's the guy saying, Hey, bet on Giannis. And of course he wins MVP and, and perhaps in part because he said, Hey, go buy his cards. He drove the market in that direction, but it's not like Giannis is, is a pretty poor example of a basketball player. True. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't, doesn't take a genius to clue into him being someone who may be investable, but, uh, but I, the, the message that I that I really hear and what I wanted to make sure that the audience tonight is hearing is that, you know, and I, it's not this isn't news to anybody. It's not news to me, but it's nice to hear from a shop owner that when these major influencers make these comments that it trickles into the card shops around the country, you know, by noon the next day or later on that, that day itself. So that, that's just neat to hear. All right, I want to say welcome to Amit 99 Goals. Uh, no problem joining late Amit. Amit will be joining me, everybody, on After Hours. We'll be going live in about an hour and a half after we're done with Mike. And uh, I'll also, I want, to invite, I want to just welcome everybody to the show tonight. If you're new to Sports Cards Live, if you're a fan of Mike Fruitman, Mike Stadium, you're a friend of his, I want to thank Mike for, for publicizing that you're going to be on the show tonight, Mike. Thank you for letting people know to come watch. I appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate everyone that did come watch, that has come to watch. I welcome you to the show. I encourage you to come back, check it out. I go live every Saturday night with awesome guests, and I'll ask you to subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up and all those things that we ask for. And uh, but it's just great to have you all. So welcome everybody, and thanks for being here. Uh, I, I meet once he loves my shirt. Yeah, I'm wearing the shirt for Mike Carvin. Even says, yeah, it's uh, perfect for Mike Fruitman. R.I.P. Lemmy, uh, of course, of course. Columbia says, Mike has created an excellent networking with all of us. We have a solid community of shop owners. And that's just, uh, you know, that, that comment's already about 20 minutes old, uh, Columbia and Mike. But, I, you know, that's just how we roll here. But thank you for that. I think it's awesome. Uh, Ken Richardson from uh, BC says, very important to shop owners is sharing ideas. No doubt. Welcome, Ken. Great to see you on the show tonight. Columbia says, just getting them back in stock Monday, send the PM so I can flag that for you. Sorry, don't know what that was in relation to. Doesn't matter right now. Cardboard Max says, with population reports exploding since 2018, junk wax ain't junk anymore. And what he means is those numbers are being, we're experiencing them again with cards from 2018 to present, what we're calling the ultra modern. Those cards are being graded in, in volumes and uh, you know in bulk almost. And some of those populations are have exceeded the populations, and we're talking about graded cards here, of course, have exceeded the populations of those from the junk wax era. So I, I completely understand that comment from Car from Cardboard Max. Ray-Ban, good day to you. Welcome to the show. Here's a comment from Franco Dubs. Let's see. He says, a big part of the hobby is monkey see, monkey do. In my opinion, this is why the bubble will burst. It's pretty evident. There's market manipulation going on right now, and people are too dumb to see it. Well, yeah, welcome to the show, Franco. Uh, you know, lots of assumptions there, and uh, I don't think we're not going to spend any time on this comment, Mike, but 
there are, Franco is not alone in this position on things. You know, I've, I talked to a lot of people in the hobby, Mike. We talked about it. You know, a lot of people don't think we're in a bubble, or or they think we if we're we're in a balloon, and you know, some of the air may be let out, but it's not going to burst. Um, I could pick apart that comment, but we're we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna do that right now. Columbia, yeah, Columbia. If it were only that simple, couldn't disagree more. Though, I <laughs> see, I'm with Columbia on that one there. Uh, and Columbia, I don't know if you've taken more time later on to 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 address that, but um, we'll get there if you did. Franco says, "Stop buying junk wax, garbage people. It's the number one reason why the market crashed. Times were different, Franco. Times were different, uh, much different than from now." Amit says, "Do you share lists of problematic buyers in your store in your store group?" That's an interesting uh, interesting question. Do you guys ever share? You know, you share good creative ideas, Mike, with, with in the Facebook group. Do you ever, and you also share how to how to burglar proof your stores, those sorts of things. Do you ever share stories of like unruly customers, that kind of thing? Uh, mostly as a joking sense. Um, you know, I think shop owners could get together and we could write the most incredible novels about customer. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, collector. Sorry. I gotta hear yeah. Co- collector engagement. Um, I, I think there's a certain amount of commiserating. It, when I go home, my wife doesn't understand my life. Uh, we, I've been married for up, upwards of 20 years now, and she knows I come here every day. Um, she doesn't like setting foot in the store other than to throw me food from about an eight-foot gap. Um, and she really hates my store. Um, hey, honey, if you're watching, yeah, I'm just calling the truth. Um, and so so when I go home, I can't really commiserate with my wife. And, you know, after being away so long, the last thing you want to do is go home and be a whiner. So um, we, we don't necessarily rat out. Some time ago, somebody did mention somebody they had a problem with on eBay as more of a warning. Uh, it, and I think there's eBay scammer lists um, that, that are better for doing that, that, that do a great job doing that. Um, like perfect example, we had a collector who came in the other day and, and he went through our, our team uh, boxes and he came back in and he was showing me how I overcharged him uh, on $3 cards and on $2 cards that were in new top loaders and sleeves um, because he could find them for $1. And, and I thought about making a post about this going, wait, no, wait a second, no. You found this on eBay and, and it's a dollar, but there's $3 shipping. So it's a $4 card. He goes, no, it's a $1 card. And I'm like, no, the, the $3 shipping is a price oppressor. Now, did the person buy that for $1? As you're saying that I had it for three. You're showing me that it's a dollar card, but it cost somebody four. So we had a lovely debate about this that went on and, and he had 60 or 70 cards. Now he didn't bring back any of the ones that were significantly underpriced. And he mentioned that quite a few were, um, but here's a guy and, and instead of, Focusing on my collector, other collectors, I spent probably 30 minutes just purposely looking up cards going, well, okay, now you said this one's worth $1. Here's another example of it selling for four or five and six. But to you, the only sale that ever happened was this $1 card. Um, so that would have been a perfect example of something to bring up and, and share with other collectors just from like a perspective of, okay, these, these guys get me. So uh, we, we ended up handling it. I, he felt I was $50 off. I gave him $50 more in store credit. So he, he left as a happy soul. At least I haven't gotten a negative review yet. Um, maybe there is one forthcoming. Um, but, yeah. but that's the type of thing where we'll get together and, and talk about, which is the same type of thing we would do at the industry summit. For And, and geez, for, and, and I'm bringing up these points. I really need to bring out that, that these are the exceptions. Um, it, I, I, I don't, I'm not one of those guys who, like, if I had a bad experience at a restaurant, where I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to nail these guys. I'm going to throw another thing. I like going out to restaurants, having a good experience, and saying that I had a good experience. Uh, most of the reviews that I leave online are, are very positive um, because I want to make sure these guys recognize that as a small business, 
that people appreciate them offering quality service. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I want to focus more so on the positive, whereas, yes, it's easy to gripe about that collector, but I could just as easily talk about, um, you know, when, when kids used to come in on Saturdays and be in baseball uniforms and wear cleats in my store because they didn't even have time to change in the car. Um, the, that's the type of stuff I prefer to focus on, the more the positive things, where, where a kid hit a home run or they won the game, or maybe they came by for a consolation visit when they lost the game. Um, I think yeah. there's more of that that needs to be focused on. Um, and, and that's the, when I leave my store, those are the memories I take with me every day. Um, those are the thoughts I take home with me instead of, oh, geez, this guy really ruined my day. Have, have yeah. I had a beer break or a, a carbonated beverage break in, in between certain collectors in the past? Oh, yeah, I have, absolutely. Back frigid every once in a while, sure. Now focus on the positive, man. I'm with you on that. I think that's a great approach to the to the to the store, to your your work, and just to life in general. Uh, Wayne Fraser, who hosts a singles night out of his shop, Doug Laurie uh, Sports Cards in Barrie, Ontario, says if I get close to a Jerry, I do a happy dance in the parking lot after close. And like it's all relative, right? It's it's just it's just relative. There's so many factors at play. Uh, Chad Shipper says, in your shop, do you focus on stocking product from certain sports more than others? I, I focus on stocking everything. Uh, I mean, I can give you the wall. We have. Cons- I always love when somebody goes, "You carry hobby boxes," and and at any time, I've got, I don't know, I've got 40, 30 feet of, of football boxes, thirty feet of uh, baseball boxes. Um, you know, hockey shelf is, is fairly well represented up top. Um, it is more difficult than it used to be. I understand full well um, that I'm, I'm thinning things out right now. Uh, a lot of the quote unquote, I, I don't want to say, uh, I'm going to say it, so I can't unsay it. Hobby fat has gone away. Uh, you know, there are products like 2000, 2001 Upper Deck Rookie Update Hockey, which I think is a great product. You've got all sorts of releases in one product. Uh, it's a Whitman sampler of what Upper Deck makes. It became a really hard product to sell. However, I'm glad that I still have some so that I've got product to fill my shelves up. Uh, we're seeing products coming out. Um, I mean, geez, we went through about a month and a half dry spell last year. Where, where the uh, we, we saw no new products getting made, and, and things were really starting to heat up at that point. Um, and, and you know, all the distributors um, were, were starting to run out of certain things. I mean, my Monday mornings used to be okay. I'll take all my distributor list. I'm going to run through. This is the best price on this one. Oh, there's a product I don't have. Um, you know, of the three, that's the one I'm going to go for. Uh, I haven't ordered anything from this guy in a while. And, and something that used to take me hours, and, and I used to be slower at the time, where I could nail through it. Um, now I can do it a lot more easily because there's so much less, um, I won't use the previous term, less product out there uh, to, to go for. Um, and some of it is differently priced. I mean, I remember we used to have a, we used to have a no way section and it, it was, we would basically just rip the lids off the cases and leave the cases on the floor um, and, and just, just reach in and grab a box of 2013 football certified. I love, here you go. 2013 football is my favorite year ever for football cards. And you're going to say, well, wait a second. There's EJ Manuel. There's Geno Smith. There's Eddie Lacy, Le'Veon Bell. Um, so 2013 football is my favorite year ever for football cards because when 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and, and now, of course, the current years, when all these years were running out there and every new product wasn't losing value, uh, was selling out at a more quick ratio, I was still able to put out 2013 Panini Prominence somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 a box or, or, or less that had three autographs inside of it. And was it my best seller? No, but I took pride going back to the what you brought up in, in having something for everyone. 
You know, not everybody walks in here on, on cup day and says, give me a box of cup or give me a three or give me a six. Uh, a lot of those folks are going, you know, give me a box of 1920 Upper Decks Retail Series 2. You know, the hobby, um, Macar and Kako, the, the, the 1920 Series 2 product has really taken legs in the last few weeks, if not a month. Um, although the Avalanche have a week to sit out, unfortunately. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe Kale will, will simmer down a little bit. But I made sure that we had retail product just so I had, you know, the same product with six young guns per box that I could offer at a lower rate. Um, so I'm, I'm always looking through inventory lists. Um, and, and again, it takes less time to do so. Um, but but I want to make sure that, yeah, we're, we're carrying something for every single level of collector. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to – any shop on, on this Wednesday, every single store is going to have tops one. I want to have 2016 two tops one, 2017. I want to have 2013 top series one um, so that the guy who wants that doesn't have to go online. It's so much fun when somebody will come in the store – for the first time, I love the look of amazement. And I imagine it's like when I went to Disney for the first time and I, I got inside the gate and suddenly it just blows up and there's everything in front of you. Like, oh my God, you know, there's lights, there's everything. It's, it's everything I could possibly want. And I want that to, I want that experience when people walk into my store, um, my shop, sorry. Geez, I'm going to have to, I owe myself some shots after yeah. this. Um, <laughs> you, need, you need like a swear jar right there. You're going to fill it yourself. <laughs> well, for all you know, this isn't water. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I want to have that. I want to make sure that I've got that. It's it's becoming a little bit more difficult right now as, I'm, as as the product is becoming thinner and stretched as the taffy becomes spread out. I mean, there's times in my basketball shelf where I'd have the same product in line in four different spots because the idea of leaving, going back to that Lawrence Taylor back in 1992, I want every single spot in my store to be used. Now, I'm looking behind me, you know, make sure I don't have any gaps, but um, it's important to me to have something for everyone. I'm never going to be Everything for everybody. I want to be most things for most people. Yeah. Okay, man. Hey, good, good answer. Good answer. Thank you. Thank you for that. And you know, I, I mentioned that yesterday I went into uh, I went into a store in Calgary here called Maple Leaf Sports, owned by Darren Pollock, and uh, we were chatting. And he said, you know, he's having trouble getting the current product, but the older product is selling stuff that would have sat there, you know, five years ago is now selling. I picked up a box of two thousand and two. Pacific Vanguard hockey just because just to hope I'll hit maybe a, a, a low serially numbered card, something cool, but, and for the nostalgia of it as well. And, and I know Mike Davis at, at Eastridge hobbies here as well. He says the same thing. He says he'll buy any old wax he can get his hands on because it is selling. And that's even pro set, like anything is selling. And that wasn't the case, you know, a few years ago. So it's pretty cool, but we're going to keep on going. Joe Perot says, I love that we're talking about fun which is neat because then Rich Klein jumps in and says, that's Mike's motto and be thankful we have stores such as Mike's. And if you've been watching this show from the beginning, or even if you just jumped on, you can tell that Mike's the kind of shop that you actually want to get into. I think Brody's referring to Mike's shop here. says he's so glad his parents found it four years ago. Rich Klein has four stores within 30 minutes of him. That's pretty awesome. I like this question here from BT Sports Cards. Mike, he says, with the Arenado trade, is Nathan McKinnon now the highest profile star in Denver? Uh, I would go with Nikola Jokic uh, right now, who, who scored 50 points, unfortunately, in a loss tonight at 47 the other day. Well, I mean, highest profile. The guy's six foot ten. Um, so <laughs> um, McKinnon, one of the problems in Colorado, and I'll, I'll be real brief about this, is they're only on one of the three local networks. The Avalanche and, and, and Nuggets are only being shown at this time on, on, on one. Well, the, whatever network I have, Comcast, we unfortunately can't watch the game. So they played in Sacramento. So the visibility, unfortunately, for the Avs and Nuggets who are experiencing some of the 
the best times they've ever had. I mean, the, the Nuggets got to the conference finals last year. Um, the, the, the Avalanche, I think, should have gone further. Uh, if they could have kept the lead against Dallas, they had the lead with two minutes left. Anyway, so anyway, um, at a time where, where they should be a little bit more high profile, unfortunately, a lot of collectors don't have a chance to see them uh, as they should. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I want to, I just, I was honing in on this comment here from Big Daddy Cool. He says, Oh my God, I play Jeff while I'm in the shower as well. You always have to be learning. And that's that's Jeff uh, Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor. Rich Klein says, and they're both spelling his first name wrong. It's G E O F F. Just just so we know who we're talking about, that it's the same guy. But uh, Rich says that he's one of the rare investor-based podcasters who does a really good job with what he says, with what and how he says. That's really that's a nice endorsement for Jeff Wilson. Uh, Brody loved his Christmas countdown. That's pretty cool too. Uh, Columbia, apparently I'm missing out on that shower activity. You're not alone, Columbia. I'm missing out on that activity too. And I plan to continue to miss out on that activity. But that's pretty funny. Pretty funny. Cardboard Max says, I love Sports Card Investor app and the Card Ladder app. I use them both every day. I have both on my phone as well. Card Ladders just came out on, on uh, February the 3rd. Um, so yeah, check out, check out those apps, guys, if you haven't yet. Uh, Rich, Rich has a cable news station in the background. He's okay. Can everybody please let us know what you do while you're in the shower? No, we're, that's, not, that's not that's not the kind of show that this is. Um, okay, I want to thank everybody for the comments. We're way behind on them here with Mike, but that's all right. We're gonna. I want to touch on a couple topics. We're already at the hour twenty minute mark here, uh, Mike. We're gonna go for another forty minutes or so, but I want to touch on uh, a specific topic, and it's really relevant when it car- comes to card shops. And it has to do with what what are you what are you what are we what are show dealers what are shop dealers what are what is the hobby using as comps now to set prices of singles whether it's in your store or at a card show and the reason I'm asking is because historically every vendor at a card show every card shop had a Beckett magazine and they would price their cards based on what Beckett said very few would use their own ideas for it. That was my experience. So if anyone, I'm not saying it's a, that was not a rule, but that was my experience. And nowadays it's hard to find a Beckett magazine at a, at a card show at a vendor's booth. I find, I don't see anybody looking up a, you referring to a Beckett now to find a comp on a, on a card. I, it's mostly people going to eBay and looking at sold listings to find those comps. So my question for you is because, you know, I've seen some card shop owners that even to this day, they won't even put a card out in their showcase until the Beckett, until Beckett magazine tells them how to price the card. And to me, that's amateur. To me, that you're, you're, an, am, you're an amateur card shop owner if you need Beckett to tell you how to price your card. Nothing, nothing against Beckett, but Beckett's only one or two guys per magazine that actually price the card. They can't keep up with everything. We know that now. So what is your strategy in your shop? And what do you know? What are shops doing now? Are they using Beckett Magazine still or are they using real market information? Um, I would imagine, and, and you know, maybe well, I'll just speak for myself here. I use a combination. So when, I, when I'm pricing singles cards, which I'm going to be doing right after this show, um, I'll start by looking at Beckett to kind of get a gauge for things. But I also make sure that I'm looking at, there's two sites that I use. I use sportscards.com. Um, I find the ease of looking on there and, and finding data that goes back to 2016 to be incredibly powerful. There are some cards that don't come up very often. So having, 
using eBay and getting 60 days worth of information may not provide for me the way of the way that I can get information for four years worth of traffic does. Um, and I also use cardsnoop.com. Um, both of those are completely free to use. Uh, hopefully that doesn't change. And I'm able to see also behind the sale. So if it says buy it now or best offer on eBay, a lot of times I, I can find the behind the behind the uh, the slash price and, and see what that item is actually sold for, which means more to me than anything else. Uh, one of the things I've built up at my singles nights, I've never had anybody who bought a single card from me who came after me came at me afterwards and said, "Wow, you really nailed me on that one." You know, it's a sixty dollar card and you you you, you plowed me for eighty because I take the time. Uh, we go live. We go about we go about an hour and a half to two hours a night. But that's four hours or five hours worth of my sitting down pricing cards. I did 100 last night. I'm going to go home, do another 100 tonight. And I take pride in, in using, uh, I, I still use Beckett to some extent. Um, and, and sometimes I feel like going, geez, guys, you know, this is one, one parallel you got for $18. And it's really selling for $60, $70, I'm not going to bother with that information. Um, uh, other times I'll also go to ComC and see what cards are available for. I've started telling collectors to go to ComC more now to see what their cards are worth. And um, when you see an item on ComC, you're not seeing what it's worth. I'm sorry, what it is sold for. You're seeing what it's available for. And maybe the last one sold for three cents under it. But for a new collector to say, hey, go to eBay or go to Cardsnoop or go to sportscards.com and, and look it up. Well, a lot of times they come in and they go, well, geez, you know, my card's worth $800. And, and my first response is, oh, yeah, you looked at the PSA 10s. So you're not getting, well, mine's in great shape. Well, that one's in great shape. Mine's the PSA 10. So a lot of times I'll say go to ComC because you can find a 9091 Fleer Jordan on there. And instead of having to look up 14 of them and go Olympic scoring, where you, you throw out the high, you throw out the low, and, and you average the rest, uh, you're able to see what cards are available for. And I will substantiate a lot of my offers to people by saying, look, you want $14 for your card. I understand that the last three on eBay have sold for six seven and eight it's an average of seven and i can go buy one right now on com c for nine so um if you, if you look at the geez this is scary what does the front of my phone have for apps here we go so you know we've got we got blowout down here uh i've got dave and adams up there i've got steel city up top um you know tcg player geez what else do i have i, I get onto uh sportscards.com off of google and there's my card snoop right there. I know exactly where these are. So I'm still, I mean, when I'm buying a card, a lot of times I'm looking at three bits of information before I'm buying it. And the same thing when I'm, you, you get, you get one chance to screw somebody. Yeah. So why do it? Um, I went to Arby's a bunch of years ago and I got so deathly sick that if there was a shotgun next to me, I wouldn't be on this show right now. And ever since then, I won't go back to Arby's. And it may have been something I ate earlier in the day. This is my, and I'm sorry, people at Arby's, you make great food. My, my family loves everything else you make. Sorry to Arby's. Um, maybe I shouldn't have said where I went. Anyway, um, but I will never go back to Arby's. I mean, if I'm on the desert island and there's one restaurant, fine. Um, but I, I felt like I got done wrong by them. And you can't, you can't come back from food poisoning and give it a second go. Anyway, so the reason I bring this up is, I will never give my collectors or at least try everything possible not to, to, to have that same effect, uh, not with food necessarily. Um, maybe you don't want to eat out of my fridge, but, um, but I, I wanted to not have that same experience and have it be card related. So that's why I will spend six hours, seven hours, eight hours pricing cards for my singles night 
to ensure that when I show, here we go, let's, let's just do this. I, I've got a Joey Chestnut card right here. It's not for sale, but if you typed in C-H-E-S-T-N-U-T, here, let's get a good look at that, Joey, and all his brilliance. So um, I want to make sure that if I'm pricing this card at $20, it's not a $10 card that I'm robbing somebody on, or at least giving somebody the interpretation of robbing them. Um, so to, to answer your question, I, I can't speak for every card shop, but I make sure that I do my due diligence when I'm pricing my singles to ensure that I'm not giving somebody a negative experience. And I can tell there's been many a time where I don't update singles out of my case, or I know somebody has gotten an incredible deal on things. We got a negative review last year from a guy who wanted two second year, um, uh, oh shoot, uh, Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell uh, cards. And, and he brought them up to the register and one was priced at 10, one was priced at 20. And I quickly realized that, geez, that's, that 10 is probably now a 20, and that 20 is probably now a 40. And I'd fallen way behind in pricing him. And he goes, can you do any better? <laughs> I'm like, well, here, sir, let me offer you this. Do you want them at the prices they're at? And he goes, well, I'm buying two of them. Could you do any better? So like, okay, well, let's just see what they go for. So 10's off the table, 20's off the table. And I'm not going to look at the comments because I'm sure not everybody's going to love what I'm about to say. But I quickly found out that the 10 was a 25. And the 20 was now a 50. So I said, sir, I can offer you these cards for 60. He's waiting to say, wait, 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 wait. You've got it for 10 and 20. And I'm like, sir, you had a really good deal. I offered you, you could have said, hey, can I buy these two cards for 30? And instead of that, you knew full well they had got up and then you asked for a deal. So yeah, I mean, am, am I always the happy card shop owner? Perhaps not always, but I knew he was getting a great deal. And, and to ask on top of that for better pricing, and, and I, maybe the comments are coming in negative. Maybe they're coming in positive. Um, I was like, you know, man, I was really taken aback by this. And I used the word quandary. And, and in his one star that he gave me, he used the word quandary as well. So I knew exactly who it was. Um, but sometimes when you go in a card shop, if you find a deal, enjoy the deal. Yeah. <laughs> we're not pinatas. We're, 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 we're card shop owners. Please don't beat us up all yeah. the time. Yeah. You've got bills to pay for sure. I, I hear you. And I would I would have upped the price right then and there too, you know. If, if that happened, no. Now it's sixty for the pair, and uh, that and change the price tag right in front of them. But hey, uh, Brad Hartland says enjoying the show. Keep up the good work from PSA Canada, who was my guest on the show a few weeks ago. Welcome, Brad. Uh, Cardboard Max says I hope we have many future cardboard millionaires in the chat tonight. I'm sure there's a couple. Ed Caudill, want to welcome you to the show. First time here, really enjoying. It. Happy to have you, Ed. Great to have you on the show uh, tonight for sure. Um, here's a, I like this question. Gimmicky fiber says, how do you handle excited people who have unvaluable cards that they think are amazing without discouraging them to join the new era of collecting? Mike, keep this to about a minute if you can. I make sure when somebody comes in or I don't trash their collection. I, I try to spend as much time with them in explaining that a lot of times what they have is an old flip phone that they thought was going to be state of the art and, and be the coolest phone out there quickly realizing that, look, a, a, your card doesn't have a piece of jersey. It doesn't have an autograph on it. It's not individually numbered. Uh, it doesn't have the components that are now available. A lot of people have been off the collecting island for a number of years. And, and when they come back in, they're blown away, like like my high school class, with, with what they're doing with cards now. So I make sure that I point out the highlights to their collection and say, look, now, you know, bear in mind, you paid a quarter for that pack of, of 89 Fleer. What did you think it was necessarily going to be worth? And then at that point, it's an opportunity to, to showcase some of the newer cards that are out there and create the interest in that. Usually by the time I've shown somebody a card that has never seen an autograph or a jersey card, they've kind of forgotten about theirs and they want to know what's up with the new. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, let me just find where I wanted to go here, guys. One moment. Uh, 
I don't like to go silent this long. Here we go. I like this comment from Lowell. My Sunday morning showers are typically with sports cards live after hours. Not going to lie. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Lowell. I'll take it. I'm glad you're, you're consuming the content uh, while your eyes are open. That's all good. God Sports. Hi, Mike and Jeremy. Hello, God. Great to have you. Amish Dave to Celine Dion. I love it. I love it. Near, far, wherever you are. Yeah. Well, we should put the tune to that. Thank you, Franco. I appreciate that. I thought that was a fun question to ask about the what we're using to price cards these days. Kickdown says, I went to a shop that still referenced Beckett in 2019. Yeah, I mean, that that that's someone who needs to get with the time. And not, again, I, when I'm at a card show and I'm set up with a, as a vendor, which I do at the National, the Expo, the Summit, you know, I don't have a Beckett with me, but once or twice during the show, I'm usually like, oh, does anyone have a Beckett? There's, I can't find any information on this card anywhere. And Beckett's kind of like, you know, the, you know, you're going to find something there. So I'll turn to it in that case and then apply my knowledge and experience to that value and maybe adjust it uh, from there if I, if I feel the need. But, but uh, yeah, if you're still running a shop and using Beckett to price your singles, again, it's a source of information, but there's so much more out there. And it's, I don't know that anyone can really keep up with, especially now, February, 2021 and the last few months, how can you keep up? How can a publication keep up? You, you just can't. You, you, you need to. You need real-time data if you're going to have accurate pricing on your singles wherever you happen to have them for sale. Peanuts13, love the show. Well, I'm glad you discovered it, Peanuts. Welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, guys, I want to thank Mike for bringing new guys here again tonight. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. I do appreciate that. Live every Saturday with Wicked Guests. We have a great time. As you can tell, if you stuck around this long, you're having fun, and I appreciate that from all of you. Mike Truman had to bail. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Uh, Columbia, this is so you can tell Columbia Hobbies new to the show when he asks, what is the longest interview you've ever done? Is this one going to break the record? It is not going to break the record. The longest show we've ever had was actually with Dr. Brian Price, currently of President's Choice Trading Cards. That was probably back in May or June, and we went for three hours. So, uh, But if you want some real long-form uh, live streams, you know, just check out the Because I'm Carlos channel. He has some five, six, seven hour streams on that channel that you can go watch and really interesting stuff too. So check that out. Mike from Eastridge says, if you are fair to people when buying or selling to them, they will keep coming back. I mean, that's just good business right there, right? Good, good business. Amit says, card prices are way more volatile now than ever before. It's as hard uh, as I... It's a hard one as I tried to price for the virtual card show. It was left scratching my head. Up arrows everywhere. That's right. Terry says, how do you keep up with the rapidly changing prices from day to day? That's a question I would wonder about for card shop owners that have price tags on their cards. Now, it's almost like, you know, some cards aren't, the values aren't moving much. Let's face it. You know, $20 and under cards aren't moving that much. But do you find yourself, Mike, having to go through your showcases, scanning through and seeing, is anything too low? And on the other side, is anything too high, which would probably not be the case much these days. One of the things I need to do is change my sticker style every few months so I can repopulate, as I repopulate the case, kind of go, okay, wait a second, every this is all gone. So that's an idea I've had where I'll put a sticker maybe on the bottom left, and, and maybe I'll implement this, where it's become a bigger factor for me is as you look behind me, my boxes don't have price tags on them. I've got one tag there, one tag there, one tag there. So from a 90% of what we sell at the shop is wax boxes. So we don't price our boxes. And that's one of the ways we help avoid the volatility issues. We were finding that we were pricing things based upon what we were buying for. And, and at the time we were selling the last of five, the third of five, whatever it was, 
we were below what we could restock them for. As a shop owner, I don't like having to do that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm on my phone. I mean, there's some prices I know just because I'm on there all the time. Um, but a lot of times I, I've got a couple of helpers here and they know exactly where to go uh, in, in terms of regulating the prices. So it, it's, it's yes, it's a factor when it comes to singles, but for me, it's a greater factor when it comes to pricing boxes. Um, I'll get distributor lists uh, and, and they are um, and, and they're providing information that it's not a threat, but they say, look, prices are subject to change pretty much at any time. Um, and we we have to, as shop owners, kind of dance to the same music. Uh, you know, somebody gets hot one day and it's affecting things. We saw it recently in football, in 2018 football with, with Josh Allen. I mean, first off, ah, gosh, there are three football quarterbacks from 2018 and the one from 2017 in the AFC made it to the Super Bowl. And I don't have any 2017 football product left. Anyway, so we saw this giant surge in 2018 football. And if I had my prices on there, um, it would have been great for my collectors. Um, I, I don't think it would have been awesome for the shop. Um, I mean, basically, you know, if I paid X for it, I'm selling it for Y. At some point, I should be happy that I got the Y and I shouldn't complain. But but the, there's a new X out there somewhere. So it's, it's hard to buy for 90, sell for 110 and buy for 150. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Mike at Eastridge says the problem with Beckett as a price guide is everyone forgets about the left hand column. They just look at that high price. Never the loan. I, I got to agree with that. I mean, as somebody who's set up, been setting up a card shows for over 15 years, people, sellers always look at the high column and I've always considered it a range. You know, you've got, it, it's a range. There's no one price for a card. We see you could have five Ken Griffey Jr. rookies in the exact same condition selling within five minutes of each other one night on eBay. Most likely they're going to go for a little bit of little different prices. Sometimes one, you know, there's two guys that set the same max bid, so they sell for the same price. But in general, over a few days, you're going to see these cards selling for different prices. So it, it definitely is a range. Just very quickly, Mike. How, what's your approach to those two columns in the Beckett magazine? Have you always looked at it as a range? Or is your experience the same as mine that everybody, especially sellers, only look at the high column? As a shop owner in Denver, I remember every single time I'd get a new football Beckett, the first thing I looked for was the 84 Tops Elway uh, to see whether it had moved. And yes, I mean, I made a point of going, okay, it's 20 to 50. So, you know, I, I would always put them at 39. Um, you know, when they won the second Super Bowl, I think it popped to 110 or 120. But yes, I always made a point back back in the back in the Stone Age when we had yeah. Anyway, um, I, I always made a point of, of referencing both sides of it, and, and yes, it, it did represent a range. It always did. It always will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ami points out that Amish Dave Archer also has three day streams on his channel. If anyone really needs to consume some content, I've watched some of Amish Dave stuff. Very interesting, and just a couple of guys talking hobby. So check that out. Uh, for sure. I want This is totally off topic, but I was just, uh, you know, I have an eBay watch list like the rest of us do. And I, I was watching this, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the Bumblebee card in a PSA 10, which was selling for like ten to $15,000. Look at what one sold for tonight. $45,100 for a PSA 10 Dwayne Johnson card. I, I just thought that, that that price blows my mind. I saw it get into the high teens. I thought that was record breaking. It more than doubled. What, what do you what do you say to that? I, it's funny. I saw that card profiled. I want to say Beckett provided. A, they they referenced that card. So here it is. It's a perforated card and it somehow graded a ten, even though it's got all the, the the joints at the end of it. I thought that was kind of an interesting card. And well, apparently people were smelling what the rock was cooking. <laughs> They're smelling what the rock is cooking for sure. For sure. 
Um, okay, so uh, here's a question from Franco Dubs. He says, Mike, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, of course, was 2019 or even 2020 the most profitable year you've ever had? Just curious. I, I don't know about the term profitable. I, I don't break down. I, I don't have that quick answer for you. Um, it, by October, and, and I still don't understand how this exactly happened. By October, we had eclipsed, eclipsed our best year's worth of sales. Um, and again, as a 28-year shop veteran, um, it, it, it was, un, it, it, it's a year we're always going to remember. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, the, the question was 2019. I'm sorry, 2020 by October uh, was the best year we had ever had. Sorry, I, I went at that from the wrong year perspective just because I knew 2020 was that type of year. Uh, 2021 is, is on pace uh, to eclipse that. And it's not just sports card related. It's also Pokemon related. Sorry, sorry, uh, Franco. I can't remember specific to 2019 where there was my most profitable year. Um, I don't, I don't get hung up on numbers. I um, think he had to mean to. He had to mean 2020. He had to. I, I, I don't get hung up on numbers. We, we do our singles nights, and I've never once added it up. Sometimes I'll get my son, and he wants to know. Okay, we added it up at the end. Um, I don't, I don't care if I do a singles night and I sell eight cards. I mean, I'd like to sell more than that if I'm putting eight hours worth of effort into it. I don't, I don't live and die on the numbers, and and maybe that's a testament to where shops are right now. I don't, I don't have to have a good day to have a good day, according to most people. If if I leave here and I had a good day and I sold four hundred dollars worth of cards and I got to hang out with my collectors and engage them, and, and and talk to them instead of like my Saturdays. I love my Saturdays and I hate my Saturdays because I don't get the same type of day I used to have. Um, I've got to. When somebody walks in the store in a hat, sunglasses, and a mask, I have to first interpret A, friend, B, B, threat. Enemy. Yes, <laughs> enemy. Um, is this person here to to make my day better or perhaps brandish a weapon? Um, so that's a little bit disconcerting to get used to. Um, and, and please, when you come in shops, please please like take off your hat and or sunglasses if at all possible. Anyway, so um, I've got to figure that out. And I've got to impart my my ideas to them respond to what people want to collect. And at the same time, I love spending time with people, especially new collectors and, and, and younger collectors. And my Saturdays are, are literally eight hours of speed selling with, with a bathroom break, perhaps um, one of my collectors mandating that I take a moment or two to eat as Haas will attest. Um, like, like literally Mike, stop. <laughs> and they'll like make an announcement. Hey, Mike's going to eat for three minutes. Leave him alone. Um, so, uh, that's, that's my Saturday. And, and maybe I do walk up to the store a little bit each Saturday with a sense of dread, knowing full well that I might be able to go to the bathroom possibly. Um, sorry, we've, we've brought up bathroom and showers way too much during this episode. Yeah, I was just thinking, well, what are you watching when you go to the bathroom? Who, who, whose podcast are you listening to then? <laughs> uh, in, in the, yeah, in the, in the, yeah, right. Anyway, for the short amount of time I'm in there, um, I, I, I do maximize every bit of my day. I'd be a great Indian. And, and, and I say this in the truly complimentary sense. I, I use every bit. Like when somebody, I, I, I use used top loader sleeves, 100 count boxes. I use, I, I, like I'll keep empty boxes so when somebody checks out, I can put their stuff inside like a large certified box. Um, I, and I appreciate it. I went to school in Boulder. If, if you don't know Boulder, you don't understand. But uh, it, and it's, it's a very environmentally friendly place. So I, I like using every bit of every bit. Um, but but I, I, I love my Saturdays. I hate my Saturdays. Yeah, I'm sure, man. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good, you know, we say first world problems. Uh, you know, it's one of those sorts of things, right? It's like 2020 hobby problems. 
hard hard to feel too bad for you when you're when you're that busy but you know not that not that you're that's what you're looking for of course so let, let's uh, let, let's keep going here. I, I, this comment from Ed says, "I have a sign in my store because of market volatility. Prices may change, might go might go up or down, which I think is a great idea." You know, I, I set up the virtual expo back in November, and I put out my my um, uh, Dropbox folder with all with my cards are priced. And I've had people here in February contact me and say, "Hey, I'll take that card for X amount." I'm like. Sorry, bro. That that those were November prices. That that card's neither not available or the price is, is is changed one way or another. Which brings us to Patrick's comment here. He says the left hand column is stupid. The sports collector's <laughs> digest is much better. It has three columns and three you know three different grades. Dealers use the right column to bilk customers. And the only sort of thing I'll say contrary to that is that if you're using the right column, you're low on a lot of cards. And the other thing is that. It doesn't even address graded cards. It, it, the Beckett basic Beckett price guides are simply for raw cards. They're not for graded cards. You can't even make that parallel because until a card, you know, it's like you said earlier, the guy, he looks at the PSA 10 prices. He thinks he's got the raw copy. It looks like it's in great condition. He thinks he's got a PSA 10. Until your card is in a PSA 10 holder, it's a raw card. And it's going to sell for the raw price, you know, condition dependent, but it's not a graded car card until you've spent the money taken the risk and sent the card off for grading so a lot of people uh eh, but people seem to understand that once you educate them do you take that time to educate people that walk in your store and really help them understand and and i asked that thinking at the same time that you might do this and some people could think you're just trying to sell them things so how do you balance that out educating them while being authentic about it at the same time I want to show people how the hot dogs are made. I, I want people to understand as much as they can. I want the most informed collectors coming in my store. I don't want somebody coming in here thinking that their Barry Sanders PSA 10 that a week ago was worth $1,300 that is now selling for $1,800 or $1,900. I don't want them thinking it's a $1,300 card because I've got to sleep at night. And, and again, the, uh, the fast food restaurant rule that I suggested above, I don't want to give somebody a negative experience, not because it's going to be a negative review. I don't want to, I don't want to drive somebody out of this hobby. This is always been, uh, and, and now it's, it's changed somewhat. It's always been when you've got quote unquote too much money. And by that, I mean, your house is paid for your clothes are paid for your food is paid for your car is paid for. I don't want to see you before those items are all covered. I, I know that sounds really weird from a guy who, who, you know, I don't eat unless I'm selling carts. Um, I don't want to see you unless you've covered all those responsibilities. And, to, it's a very easy hobby to run away from in theory if you have a negative experience. So when somebody comes in and goes, hey, what are my cards are worth? I like teaching a man how to fish instead of giving a man a fish. I like showing them, here's exactly what I'm going to do when I'm buying your cards. And you can, from a distance, look over my shoulder and look at the exact same information I'm looking at in the computer. So I'm not, it, a card isn't selling for $42 and I'm not rating $35. When I'm, buying, when I'm buying a card from somebody, I'm detailing the last four or five prices. And you can look over my shoulder and you can do it on your phone because I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. I want the most educated collectors coming into my store. And I don't want somebody to get done and go, man, did I, did I sell that right? Is this somebody I should recommend to my friends? Should I ever go back there? I don't want anybody to have that type of hesitancy as they're walking to their car. So it's important to me to make sure... On those rare occasions, especially on a Saturday, more so during a week, that I'm showing people exactly how I'm doing it. And I don't want it to be like, it's my Beckett, you can't use it. You know, It's my account, whatever it is. 
um, I, I want the most educated collectors. Yeah, good man, and and that makes your life that much easier when you go home at the end of the day, knowing that everyone's on at the same level or has the same information. You don't need to worry that you maybe didn't share some. So that's a good approach to take, I would think. Uh, Kickdown says such a weird card to pay five figures for. That's the talking about the Rock, the Dwayne Johnson card. Columbia Hobby says I think relating to 2020, everyone eclipsed their gross sales record, but keep in mind we had to pay much more for restocks as well. So. I think what he's getting at there is that, you know, margins might have been while well, well, top line revenue is higher, margins might have been slimmer and then bottom line would kind of flow there from uh, gimmicky fibers says, do you think that the gambling aspect of new era collecting and the high prices is going to be a future issue? And if so, as dealers, what can we do to help people collect within their budgets? You know, before you take that, Mike, sounds to me, it's almost like um, it's like it's like counseling in a way. And. You know, I find myself, I, people ask me, I know they ask you, they ask a lot of people for advice all the time. What should I be buying, this or that? Or, you know, what do you think a good product is? Do you ever talk, do you ever talk people out of buying product because you can just see they're burning through what might may be their rent or their whatever it is, those those, those life expenses that we all have to pay? Um, I My goal is to try to get somebody what they want. When somebody comes in and says, what should I buy? I said, okay, what you've just done is you've walked into a psychiatrist's office and you said, doc, what's wrong with me? Well, I got to ask you a couple of questions. So wh what's going to make you happy is the first question I ask my collectors. It's, it's, you know, do you have a favorite player? Do you have a favorite team? Maybe buying a box isn't what you should be doing. Maybe you should go over to my, my single section, check out my cases and specifically buy the things that you like. So I want to understand why somebody's collecting something. You know, when I, when I went in to buy a car, I, I asked a few questions. And, I, and, and they, they kind of led me purposely to, to a car that I was going to be happy with. And I want people to have that same type of experience here. Uh, you know, the first thing I will say when somebody goes, what should I buy? And I'll say, and I, if I had a dollar for every time I said this, well, all the lemmings are buying Prism. And that's not a rip on Prism. And a lot of people then ask me what a lemming is. So um, it, it's, it's to make people think somewhat. And, and first off, maybe everybody should buy Prism or maybe everybody shouldn't buy Prism. Um, and, and we, you know, we're carrying Prism football as a as a hobby, as a blaster, as a mega, as a hanger, and we're also carrying uh, cello packs. So we carry it so that everybody can collect it. But I want to understand when you ask me what you should collect, I don't want to give somebody that negative experience where like, geez, the guy just sold me the most expensive thing in the store so he can make his mark. Um, again, I, I do everything from a long-term perspective. So I want to know why you're collecting. There are some people who think autographs are the best thing in the world. I happen to favor the autograph side. And then somebody came in today and goes, what box has the most Jersey cards in it? It's not my job for me to say, hey, look, jerseys aren't as cool as autographs. It's my job to say, look, this box has three Jersey cards. It's something that you're going to enjoy. And you may also get autograph cards. So it's a matter of diagnosing someone, much like a psychiatrist or a doctor does, to understand what they want. It's not my job necessarily to tell you what you want. I want to help you find what you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, well done, man. Well done. Um, okay. We we're kind of running out of time. There's still lots of things I want to talk about. So I'm going to like, I'm going to limit you on your time to answer here, Mike, I'm going to start interrupting you a little bit if I have to, but because there's some great questions coming through. Here's one from Gonchar 17 says, what worries you the most about the future of the hobby? That was the one. I, and I saw the question pop up and I was hoping to have a chance to answer it. My biggest concern isn't another card shop. It isn't people leaving the hobby. My biggest concern right now is as buying cards is becoming more attractive and buying million dollar cards is becoming more attractive, 
I think at one point buying a company, a manufacturer is going to become more attractive. So my concern from a shop owner perspective, not necessarily an end users collective uh, perspective, is if Top sold and does, or if Panini sold, does does the new owner simply say, well, we can charge 110 to retailers and we can get $600 a box on everything that's selling out apparently automatically in 3.8 seconds to bots and people. Why don't we quit selling to card shop owners and distributors and simply sell to end users? So I can expand upon that one, but I know we have time on this. So that's my biggest concern. Okay, no, then that, that's a that's a fair concern. I'm glad I'm glad that you you expressed that too. So there you go, Gonchar17. Thank you for the question. Ed Caudill says, is graded cards hurting or helping the industry? One minute. Uh, I think it's helping the industry from the standpoint of um, a number more commerce is being done online. And I think it, it provides a greater safety net um, in, in terms of understanding what a card is. I remember back in the old days where, where, where before most cards were graded on eBay, it was up to the seller to to demonstrate what condition they were in. And and did, did everybody, every seller necessarily approach that from an honest perspective? I would say not. Um, it allows me to feel more comfortable buying cards, especially vintage. And again, as more cards are being sold online, it allows the buyer to understand more so what they're buying condition-wise. And more specifically, it, it, you can match the serial numbers and ensure that you're actually getting the same card. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add that, you know, graded cards, the grading card companies were created because of the internet, because we were, we were the globe, we became a global community, global economy, and we can now buy card, we were buying cards sight unseen on the internet, and that was our way of having an idea of what we were buying. So it really, it facilitated getting the hobby to where it is today. So is it helping or hurting it? I think they, to a degree, revolutionized it. It's one of those big things that kind of changed the hobby in a major way and became a, an integral part of it. So now I think it's 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 so a part of the hobby that you 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 can't take it away. And uh, and if you did, we may be back to what we were like in, in the 80s. Who knows? That would need more thought. Uh, Bobby, thank you for, for the comment there. Appreciate that. Patrick, I, I completely agree with, with Patrick's clarifying. He says, my point is back in the day, dealers always quoted the right column and the left column was ignored today. Neither column means anything. Everything has comps via eBay app. I completely agree with that. You know, again, I think that the columns are arranged for certain cards that there is no other real-time data for. That's my thought. Colin Murray, good evening to you. Welcome to the show. And uh, Got Sports says, man, I wish Mike was my local card shop owner. So we won't mention who yours is, Got. I don't even know, but we won't mention who they are. Joe Perot says, bricks and mortar deserve support, not ruthless bargaining. I think that's a, a position that all LCS owners would be happy to hear from the from, from the consumer public. So thanks for that, Joe. Okay. Everybody, yeah, uh, Columbia says great concern there, Mike, in terms of uh, what you were talking about earlier. Um, and uh, okay, so listen, hey, we finally got to the end of the comments. There's two more here. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on them quickly here, Mike. Uh, Brent says, will the euphoria end? And if so, will only the elite iconic cards hold their value? So this is a good question, Mike, because I do want you to take a minute or so and talk about what you see in the future. This is, you know, let's use this, this, this question as, as a mechanism to talk about what do you think 2020, the, sorry, the rest of 2021 holds for the hobby? Um, in terms of baseball, we had a number of carryover rookies for baseball that I think are going to be very exciting, starting with Joe Adele. Uh, Top Series 1 is going to be incredibly well-received, at least the phone calls and messages I've gotten about it. I'm very safe with it. I think the rookies who we didn't get to know in college for basketball are starting to show that they can play. So basketball certainly seems safe. And if you if you are concerned about your 2000, 
excuse me, your 2021 football, if you don't think you can sell it at your local card shop, please call me. I will take all the burden of your 2021 football off of you. All the pressure's off. I will buy all that you have. If that's any indication how you believe, how what, what I think about uh, football. Uh, in terms of hockey, I'd like to see Lafreniere score more than just one overtime goal to win the game, although spectacular. Uh, hockey certainly seems to be safe. Um, you know, we, I'd like to see some more rookies kind of pop, and maybe it just takes a little bit more season for that to happen. Um, but one of the things that happened with hockey last year, it became the sport that a lot of people started to collect because it was the last one to kind of uptick. And we, we, we have a lot more hockey collectors now because they like the pricing on the boxes. Yeah, fair enough. Now, you, you, you just answer the question, the context of this year's product offerings. What do you see for the greater? I mean, we've seen, you know, single price singles of all these cards go from, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many examples out there. Um, pick just the tops Chrome or sorry, the tops update uh, Mike Trout, the 2012. That card went from being $900 to whatever it is now, 7,000 a few have sold for 8,000, whatever it may be. What, what do you see happening on that more macro level? Never mind 2021 products, and I thank you for addressing those, but the hobby on a more macro level, what do you see happening for the rest of 2021 and, and beyond? I think that we've seen the hobby become established and, and entrenched within the uh, with an, an a larger scale. We've also had the opportunity to expose people to packs. Kids are coming in who never really thought about collecting. We're, we're, we're seeing the... The collecting is so cool that now the kids who used to collect with me are now bringing in their kids because they want to be here. In terms of safety of the industry, I don't know that we've ever been at a safer point. Are we going to see the bubble burst? Uh, I don't think the bubble will ever burst. I think air may come out of the bubble. Perhaps something else is going to be more attractive investment-wise. But you know, it, it, give me the choice of owning a stock and being able to hold a card, being able to have it in my possession, being able to show it off. I mean, hey, half the fun of dating a super bottle is being able to go out in public. So... I think the the attraction of, of ripping packs has been shared with an entire new generation. We've got people who have seen the activity levels of investment in sports cards to to see it as a quote unquote real investment. And I think we may be at a safer point now, uh, e even though uh, the, the CEO of Upper Deck a year ago said that winter was coming. Uh, he didn't call this one right. And, and I'm very glad. And I imagine he's very glad that he, he was wrong on this one as well. Uh, I think we're in a very safe place. Um, you know, are, are things going to change? I mean, geez, by God, I hope everybody gets a shot in their arm if you're of that ilk, and then that we can get past this, we can get back to some level of normalcy. Um, but I think as a shop owner, uh, every time there's an order form that comes out, let me approach it this way. I'm maxing out a day of release. I'm requesting more. My comfort level as a shop owner perhaps has never been greater. Well, that's good to hear, man. Okay, a couple of comments we're going to go through. Uh, Ed says, Mike is such a great interviewer, a uh, great interview. You are a great interviewer. Thank you, Ed. I uh, really appreciate that compliment very much. Uh, Tiger says, Mike is fantastic. We'll definitely take time to visit the shop next time I make a trip to Denver. Yeah, as will I. Franco Dub says, this is how ridiculous the secondary market for retail has become. I sell my local card shop guy boxes at double. What I, I think he means what I paid him. And he then turns around, sells them for triple or four times the cost. Yeah, it's just... Things just go are going up all the time here, no doubt. Uh, anonymous Facebook, I don't know, this might be Stefan, says, uh, Mike is my local shop, score one for me. Franco Dub says, there's big money on retail boxes right now. Yes, there is. Peeps says, fun is invaluable. And Franco says, I'm not paying 7K for trout. How many people can realistically afford that? Like, lots. Lots of people can afford that. That's the thing. It's, you know, it, that, it just seems like more and more people 
are spending money on cards. I watched a I watched a YouTube show earlier today. Um, I I think it was a guy named I think it was Baseball Collector he goes by, and he was talking about why he thinks the hobby is going through what it's been going through lately. And he mentioned something I think it was called the wealth effect, where the more you the more you're and we'll use it in the context of the hobby, the more your collection is worth. And the more you feel it's worth, the more you, the more money you feel like you have, the more confident you are in your safety net, if you will, such that you'll go spend more money on more cards. And I think a lot of people who were sitting on cards that were worth $1,000 that are now worth 20000 are feeling pretty strong about that. They're feeling good about what they have. And it allows them to open up the purse strings a little bit more and spend some more money. Now, I think that's – and I think Mike uh, from Baseball Collector is – is right on with that being one of the reasons why one of the impacts on um, on people spending more money on cards now. So to Franco's comment, how many people can realistically afford of it? You know, more than you'd think. That that's as simple as that. More than more than we'd all think is is what it comes down to. There seems to be a lot of money out there, and it's a lot of it's coming into the hobby. Kickdown says compared to LeBron Kobe, MJ seven K is a steal. Franco Dub saw that video. Okay, so I'm not alone there. Thanks, Franco. And uh, let's see, Gimmicky Fiber says, do you think breaker culture was a viable attribute in building the community? And if so, do you think it is helping or hurting moving forward? I mean, I'm going to take a, 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 I think it's definitely helped build the community. It, it, it appeals to gamblers, which a lot of sports fans are. So there's nothing wrong with that. And it appeals to people who like to dabble once in a while. Mike, do you have a comment on that for a minute? Um Back in 2013, we wanted to throw breakers off of roofs and out of windows um, with the hope that they would fall badly, um, not knowing full well the impact that they would have. Uh, first off, breakers are cool guys. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad to call these guys my friends in many instances. What they have done is expose the product to people who may not necessarily have become aware of it. Sorry, I see we're in overtime. Uh, to answer it, I, I have no problem with breakers. Uh, I think that we're all competing over the same um, assets. And, you know, I understand the challenges that go with that. Um, but, but I love what breakers have done in terms of increase the visibility of sports cards and bring it out to the person who, who might not have otherwise found it. Awesome. Okay. We're going to run through some comments. We're, we're going to sign off. We're going to have to abandon a couple topics we have. We're going to have to abandon the sports cards live five. I might show one or two cards to you just for fun. Landon says people have more disposable income than ever because they're not traveling, vacationing, going out due to COVID. They do want to spend their money on things that make them feel good. Like nailed it. That that comment is, is completely accurate as far as what I, myself, people I know, what I've been hearing. So astute comment from Landon Bath. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tiger agrees 100%. Canner collects as a lot of six and seven figure salaries getting back into the hobby. You know, I, I heard that uh, yesterday from Darren at Maple Leaf Sports City. He's having people come in who are working you know, people who are making money that are they're getting in touch with their hobby because they're spending more time at home. So, you know, just just that that is something that's going on for sure. Brent says, yeah, the phenomenon is correct. The more value you have in your collection, the more confident you feel. However, when things begin to fall, panic sets in. See Tops Project 2020. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I've heard that analogy before comparing Project 2020 to the hobby. I don't think it, I don't think we can do that. I'm not not to take anything away from Brent's comment. But what happened in Topps Project 2020, I believe, was so specific to that product and, and the people that were the, the method in with with which it's distributed or sold. You know, it was it was print to order sort of thing. So that was a 
it's a good case study to look back upon, but I don't think you can take what happened there and, and uh, apply it to the hobby overall. But that could be a whole episode in and of itself with a lot of great discussion, I'm sure. Um, okay, uh, Matt Godfrey. Hey, Jeremy, just joined in. This Mike fella has a handsome beard. Yeah, that, that is one heck of a beard for sure. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I was, it was all the bitter OG shop owners that were opposed to the breakers. Some of them are still bitter, I'm sure. Steven says, is the cost of cases, boxes, making it harder to turn a profit or easier? Uh, I mean, Mike, can you answer that? Like, just, just easier or harder? That's your answer. Easier. Okay, thank you. Uh, Matt says, everybody like the stream, 100 watching. Yeah, thanks to everybody who's watching, guys. We are going to wrap this up really quickly here. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. If you are new to the show, again, thank you. thanks to Mike for bringing you uh, to, to the show. I appreciate that, Mike. And then um, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. Great interviews every Saturday night. Been doing this since last April. This is episode 79 of the main show. We also do After Hours, which is a bit, you know, I kind of sit back a bit more. I don't talk as loud. And uh, we have a nice time chilling out. So in about 25 minutes, I've got Amit and Kent from the new YouTube show, Cardboard Culture, joining me. We're just going to talk about their experience and a bunch of other things and get you guys involved as well. So come join us. There, Brent Criswell says tax returns and stimulus checks coming in. Yeah, that's more money being pumped out into the economy, and a lot of it is making its way to card shops. Definitely. Landon says, I also think more new people than ever are coming in, so it is not going to crash or end. That's what I agree. I, I believe that too, Landon. I think that a lot of new people are coming in. The foundation of the hobby is stronger. The floor is higher than it's ever been. We're going to lose some of these new people. A lot of these new people that have come in due to the influencer effect are going to be gone if they make a bad play. If they a, a bad move that doesn't pay off, they may get disenchanted and not come back. But some of them are going to stay because they'll have discovered that they are that they have the hobby gene, just like just like just like we do, right, Mike? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Franco, survey: How many in this chat can honestly go out and buy a trout rookie for seven k tomorrow? Honestly, probably more than you'd expect, Franco. I mean, it's 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 yeah. Well, and, and not everybody can. That that's the thing. And like, you know, there's different strokes for different folks type of thing and different cards for different, what rhymes with cards? It has to do with people. Different cards for different lards, let's say. I don't know. Okay. The jar was filled with fireball. Love you, Mike. Have a great night. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, guys. I'm not even, thank you for the comments. They're still coming in. I see some about Project 2020. I'm just going to, so, so, so that I don't, uh, so that I don't, Make this go much longer. I'm just going to not look at the comments except for this one from Franco says, Jeremy, you need to go five days a week. I appreciate that, man. I, my voice couldn't handle it, buddy. My voice could not handle it. Thank you, peeps. Appreciate that. Okay, Mike, man. Thanks a lot for joining me tonight. It was fun, dude. You, 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 can, uh, you can yap it up with the best of them. Appreciate your insights. I think it was uh, really, really eye-opening for a lot of people to have your, you know, from, from a 28-year card shop owner veteran you you built a community for in, in your store for your customers i wish you were in my town too so i could come hang out with you and look through your massive inventory it looks like but again i just want to thank you for joining me man and uh give you a chance for some last words we'll say a few goodbyes and then we'll sign off okay first off how do you go through the whole show i've had probably 20 sips you haven't had a thing to drink i don't know how you do that no I have. I've drank the whole glass, one full glass of water, man. That's my last sip. I'll do it now. All right. Wasn't paying attention. And, and it's really hard sitting here and not trying to center myself with the blue line. I've been trying to do that all night. Anyway, so um, <laughs> thank, 
thanks for having me on. I, I've known you were out there, and, and and this is the first time we've obviously engaged other than the other night. So thanks for being a positive force. Thanks for bringing out, and, and, and there were some tough questions as well. Th thanks for bringing awareness of collecting to so many people. So that's appreciated as well. Um, so if I made it to 79, doing the math, I guess it means I'll be back for episode 158. So um, down. Th thank you for the opportunity to share. I've been enjoying some of the comments on the side. And I love how you involve everybody who's typing. I love how you read everything. There, there, I've been on other podcasts, and, and this side of the screen is, is, is just a, a non-factor. So I think that's awesome that you do that. And, and I can understand why you've got so many people watching and enjoying your work. So thank you for what you do. Um, I had a blast being here. And, uh, and and if anybody drops off last minute, I'll, I'll be your uh, your sub anytime. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the compliments. It's a it's a labor of love. I have been I, I really enjoy it. So I'm glad that uh, that it's appreciated. All right, we're gonna do a couple of goodbyes, and then Mike, I'll ask you to stay there until I we talk in the in the back afterwards, and let everybody else know we will be back. You know, 20 minutes from now, I'll be starting a brand new broadcast on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. The show is called After Hours. I can have two brand new guests and we're just going to chill out for about an hour or so, talk some more hobby. So please feel free to join us. All right, Ed, thank you very much for joining. Lowell says people are cardboard rich now. No doubt. Thank you, Lowell. Appreciate that. Thank you, Columbia. Very much. Very happy to have had you here tonight. Thanks, Royals. Thank you, Willie. Good to have you. Thank you, Got Sports. And Brent says, that's what makes the show special. I appreciate that, Brent. I try to involve... Tonight, I did skip some comments. I couldn't get to all of them. I was about 20 minutes behind, but that's just the... That's been a bit of a theme lately. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ed. And uh, Brody says, Mike, you're a legend. Uh, Bobby Baseball, appreciate the, the compliment, guys. All right, Mike, you hang out right there. Everybody else, once again, Nick, thank you very much. Everyone else, again, thank you for joining tonight. We will see you all in After Hours. I'll be back next week. On Saturday, my guest is going to be Patrick Bet David. This is the guy that sold the PSA 10 Gretzky, Opeachy, and Tops in December through Heritage Auctions for a total of over two million bucks. That's going to be fun. Come check that out. Bobby reminds everyone: hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet, and that's it. Thank you, Brody. Thank you, Hockey Cards Official. I'm going to end this. Mike, hang tight. Everybody else, pleasure having you tonight. Have a great rest of your evening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.